This is the One Piece Podcast, episode 786, for the week of Monday, September 11th, 2023. My name is Zach. Oh, wait, none of the other hosts are here. Oh, I'll be Oh! I'm Steve, I guess I'm drawn, so here we go. <laughs> so, Marianne is Alex, then. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, or Steven, you could be a very special guest translator uh, for One Piece and Weekly Shonen Jump. Anyway, we actually have three guests here with us. Uh, first, storyboard artist on many a Nickelodeon show, um, and just all-around awesome guy who shares Jimbei's birthday. Uh, we have Josh McKenzie with us. How's it going, Josh? Always a pleasure. Hi, Zach. Thank you. Um, why did I say that? Uh, we also have, uh, you know them as our financial advisor, apparently, but also the through line to this and uh, <laughs> another podcast coming up. Like, you're going to get this person the entire time, whether you want them or not. Brodsky's with us. How's it going, Brodsky? I feel very loved with that. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, am the, I am the glue that holds this this mess together <laughs> and then and this really needs to happen now that i'm saying it the person with the best audio period <laughs> yeah the voice of flampe marianne bray is back with us how's it going marianne pretty, pretty good pretty good <laughs> better have not accidentally recorded on some sort of phone or something yeah her um, audio is just peaking like oh crazy gosh. <laughs> oh no um Today, we have, so this week, I should say, we have some very special stuff coming for you. Uh, first, I, I think first we're going to have uh, the interview with Daniel Bo, the voice of Jim Bay. Very excited for that. Um, he is super uh, into One Piece in a way that only Marianne is the, the well, there's There are other voice actors who are super into it. Back in the day, no one, there were like a thousand episodes. I can't do that. And now people are realizing the greatness that is One Piece and they get it. Um, then uh, we have our, I think Josh and Brodsky, you call it story time with Steven. Yep. Um, yes, we do. Uh, it's the our volume 106 uh, recap. We go through the SBS questions. I'm very excited to listen to that. And then finally, and this is perhaps one of the most exciting things I could say, the SGS is this week. Uh, Greg and Steven sit down, take your questions, and more importantly, this week, uh, Greg and Steven are going to answer and talk about the One Piece live action. I think we talked about the fact that it was announced, I think it was two weeks ago now, that Greg is a series advisor to the live action, was a series advisor, is, I don't know. We will find out eventually. Uh, is a series advisor to the One Piece live action series through Shueisha. Uh, so he's going to talk about that. Um, and I'm very excited to hear it. I have not heard it yet. Um, but extra special news. Also, we are having another episode this week. Not right now, but probably Wednesday or Thursday. I don't want to overpromise. So I'll, uh, and, but uh, we will over deliver. In that we have Vero and Steve for their first uh, segment going through and recapping the live action series and discussing that. And then we also have the composers of the One Piece live action with us. Uh, we have Sonia uh, Belosova. And we also have Giona Ostinelli on uh, to talk about the One Piece live action soundtrack. Um Marianne and Brodsky, you joined me for that, as well as Ed. Um, 
am I missing someone else who was there? Uh, <laughs> what, what did what did you guys think of that? Just as a preview, Marianne, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I'm a big soundtrack nerd, so I was super excited. Uh, they talk a lot about themes of things, so if you're hyped to figure out what instrument they picked to represent Monkey D. Luffy, the future king of the pirates, then tune in for that. Uh, I will. I will also mirror that because I love listening to the soundtracks for like shows, for video games. It definitely like elevates it. So it was so fun just to see their um, how was it? They had they had such passion, enthusiasm, <laughs> enthusiasm and passion not only for the series, but for everything that they did. And everything they did was for a reason. So it was very very informative. Yeah, I like we could have probably gone on for like four hours and we went on for like an hour and a half, I think. Mm -hmm. I will say like I'm looking for the vinyl of the soundtrack now (laughs) because I will want. Does that that exist? (laughs) They're most likely 100 percent. They'll make it. I'm very excited for that. We'll talk about that more when it comes out on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, The mid mid week expect that uh, special episode to drop. Um and also coming in the next few weeks, we have some really cool guests, uh, including the ADR directors for One Piece next week. Emily Ferrado and Anthony Bowling will both be on and will also be going through the latest chapter of the manga. Um, I just always, I, I think, Marianne, we were saying before, it's just crazy how many of the One Piece folks are now just caught up with the manga. Um, it makes me, it's a, it's an exciting time to be a One Piece fan. I can't say that enough for enough reasons. Um, and then after that, we're going to have Rogers Bass on and Mike Patton, a uh, friend of the show. And then we'll come out with the October lineup soon. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, lots of cool stuff coming. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. But why don't we get straight into our many awesome special segments this week? Here we go. Hey everyone, we're here for a very special interview with a spe- very special voice actor for a very special character. Um, first, before we introduce him, I want to introduce Brodsky. Hey there. Once again, hey. <laughs> and Marianne, who is also a colleague of uh, this voice actor. Um, <laughs> Marianne, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, so, Daniel Bo is the voice of the 10th crewmate for One Piece's Jimbei. Welcome, Daniel. It's been a while. We had you on many years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time skip. <laughs> <laughs> You've come back. You have a new outfit. Your hair is slightly different, maybe. <laughs> welcome, Daniel. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Uh. So for for those who don't know, since it has been a while, um, do you want to let everyone know how did you the, the the usual question? How did you become a voice actor? But not because I'm trying to steal your job, but because I'm wondering how you got into this career. Right, right. Well, I was a stage <laughs> actor first at a place uh, mainly called the uh, the Pocket Sandwich Theater. Oh, and uh, I had a friend that was uh, working there. Uh, Jade Saxton, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew she was doing anime voices, and I was interested, so I asked her about it, and she got me hooked up with uh, an, uh, a, an email so I could send an audition clip in, and uh, I sent an audition clip in. I started doing Walla first, um, and then I was introduced to uh, to One Piece doing Walla, and I thought it was the craziest show I'd ever seen before in my life with the 
talking snails and stuff. And and then after that, uh, uh, they asked me to uh, read for Jim Bay, and I accepted the role and have been doing it ever since. So I should say Marianne uh, also does the voice of Flampe. So I'm sure you have mutual uh, friends or acquaintances. Yeah, I've, or I've, I've been to the Connection. Pocket Sandwich Theater once or twice, but I've not actually done any shows there yet. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you live in Dallas? Yes, I do. Or the yes, I do. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, away from home. <laughs> so, so you've been voicing Jim Bay. When did... I'm trying to remember what year that was now. Seven years ago. It's probably when the dub got there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Don't tell me how long ago. Seven. (laughs) Don't tell me like that's like 2020 right now. Um, Seven. Yeah. That. So I, I know that role has changed, you know, in in that Jimbe has, has gone through a lot. How has it been over the last seven years? voicing Jimbe as he decides to leave and come back and then leave again and then come back again. Yeah. Well, there, there was a long period there where I wasn't for sure if anything was going to happen again. Uh, I, you know, um, Jimbe is my main role and I do other voices and stuff, but uh, as for like a, a big a role, uh, I wasn't doing anything hardly. Um, and so there was a time where I was like, I hope I can remember how to even do Jim Bay. <laughs> but then he came <laughs> back and it all it all fell into place. And and it was for the longest time, it was kind of a hurry up and wait. And I was thinking, you know, all this stuff that people have been saying, all these rumors, I'm not sure if this is all going to work out. So I'm not even going to think about it. And so once I stopped thinking about it is when the emails started rolling in and uh, a guy contacted me and said, hey, look, you're going to be in quite the demand because of one thing, and that is the the Funko Pop of Jim Bay that's coming out. And you're going to be in high demand for all the comic book cons and such and signings. And uh, sure enough, about a month or two later, you know, once they uh, released it officially, the Funko popping. I'd heard rumors of it before, but I, I wasn't for sure if it was going to happen. Um, started getting phone calls. And so I, I got hold of a guy with conventions, etc. Chris, who, who does all the uh, lining ups for me and the authors and stuff. So if anybody wants to see me, contact conventions, etc. And Chris, <laughs> but uh, I started doing, uh, I started getting signings first. Uh, it was some private signings and stuff. And then I started getting the the con inventions. And with my lifestyle, I'm not your typical voice actor. I'm not here on this planet just to do voice acting. I do a lot of stuff. Um, but uh, I, so I, I I like doing these things, but I don't like doing them too much. I don't really enjoy traveling. I travel, you know, it's a perk and stuff, I guess. But uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing these cons. I'm doing about once a month, trying to be a little selective. And at my age, I'm not sure how many of these are going to happen. So I kind of like to come out there to the East Coast to uh, see New York. Never been. Um, so if anybody in New York wants to see me, contact Chris at conventions. Etc. I'll, I'll <laughs> contact them. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll get to it. I'll say you'd be um, great at uh, was it ANYC is a very much like the New York Comic Con of anime in New York City. It's one of my favorites. 
Gotta get and it's <laughs> less, yeah, it's less uh, intense, and I, I, I think than New York Comic Con's a lot. Um, no, I also agree with that. I, I even at like age thirty, I think I hit the okay conventions all the time. I can't do anymore. <laughs> Once in a while, um, I understand. The ones I've been to have been absolutely incredible, and the people have yeah. been so nice. The fans have been outstanding that the question and answers have been thoughtful I've, I've met so many people and this is the the part that really touches me before when i i got the jim bay role and everybody was telling me oh you're gonna be world internet famous you know and uh i was like yeah okay i, you know, I get some stuff but when people would come up and give me a heart to heart about how much the show means to them or how much my character means to them it it, it takes you back especially you know, uh, a lot of the One Piece fans, they're, they're all over the world, everywhere. Uh, but a lot of anime fans in general are people that might have disabilities, that they're home a lot, and this is their life. And it means so much to them. And when they convey it to me, oh, man, it just it just crushes me. Um, I, I feel so blessed and so gifted with this role. I mean, it's very perplexing. I still haven't grasped all of it. You know the whole the whole Jimbei One Piece world, and it just it just keeps getting bigger. Um, but but the fans have just been absolutely. I, I haven't met one that was a jerk or anything in, in any place I've been to so far. <laughs> yeah, That's I didn't fun. mean to make it sound like yeah. I I've just meant that they're like exhausting in a good way. Socially like exhausting. yeah, it's just it's yeah. a lot of yeah, people. And, and, yeah, a lot, a lot of my friends are like, "Oh, you get to go to L.A. and and do this." And yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. I go to an airport, then I go to a hotel, and then I go to a convention then I go center, meeting, then I go to a hotel, <laughs> and then I go to the airport. I don't go to Disneyland. <laughs> I, I the beautiful to sights of LAX. Um, <laughs> There's always that different world of like working a convention where everyone's having fun, yeah. but you are like go 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 and then you get a little bit of sleep and then you're go 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 <laughs> even the high like the highs are high but yeah sorry go ahead. I, have to, I have to admit during the conventions i do like to walk around and, and visit people and meet the vendors and stuff and they've been really nice to me um yeah it's it, the, the experience is incredible young people have so much energy <laughs> especially the, I know. the cosplayers running around and stuff it's it's really it's been a lot of fun uh just thinking my two-year-old has a lot of energy. Um, but, uh, so besides the Funko Pop, do you have... I mean, there's a lot of Jinbei merchandise out there now. I mean, Jinbei is a member of the Straw Hats now. You're officially... You're on the boat. Uh, you get to go on the rest of the adventure. Not that... I think we also say it's One Piece. Every character comes back. Uh, but Jinbei is definitely gonna be in it are, are you excited i know you're at this point very close to catching up with the anime um yeah, yeah. so uh, you know how is it well i guess since we haven't talked in so long how first i'll ask how has it been going crazy and dubbing so many episodes and especially the ones you're in a lot more mm -hmm. well it, it was a little different because we've got two great directors that are working on it right now uh, with Emily and Anthony, and I believe both are coming to you next week. 
for your show. Yeah, I think that is next week. Time and is very flying. Because I want to hear what my bosses have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here to me. specifically talk about Daniel. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Every time I'm watching One Piece and I don't see Jinbei, I'm like, he sh- they should be saying, where's Jinbei? You know, like, where's That's Pucci? true. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate yeah, that. Uh, yeah, the, the, the directors are good. And with them splitting up the load, it got us really caught up. And so they didn't really skirt on any quality issues or anything, but, but they, they got caught up. And another thing that helped was all the breaks that Japan takes. And so, you know, they would try to work, you know, while, you know, try to get caught up and stuff. So, um, but it, there would be parts where, you know, I would record for one of them and then I would record for another part that was either before or behind and I hadn't seen either one. And so I had to get a context from them. And both of them are very, very good at, at establishing the context of everything. So that helps me. Yeah, that's got it. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Or I thought Brodsky. Um, we also we also have Josh here. I don't know, Josh, if you also have any questions. I want uh, to at least introduce that you're here. Yeah, hi, sorry. <laughs> I'm a late joiner. Um, no, I'm just um, loving this. Uh, it just sounds like your experience is so much fun. I love how much fun you're having. I mean, Jim is such a lovely character. So uh, I'm, I'm delighted that you've had such a great experience so far. I'm, I'm very happy that I was blessed with a really cool character, um, especially one that's so forthright and upstanding, you know, just the opposite of me. Um, <laughs> but, but it, it, it is, it is good that he's not a jerk. Cause like I did the, you know, the, the, uh, attack on Titan, I did Roger and he was a jerk. And so I never ever come. A lot of people on attack on Titan. Or... Yeah. <laughs> And, I, and I've been doing lately uh, this character on uh, Vinland Saga, uh, Badger, who's an old fat drunk. And so I'm like, am I being typecast? What's going on? <laughs> Jimbei's the opposite. Uh, I, like he is like straight laced, like, you know, the guy on top of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right now he's helping him put out those fires. Yeah, I've been, watching, I've been watching the Japanese on it, you know, and uh, I keep thinking, like, is he kind of like Homer in Treehouse of Terror when his fish was his head was a fish and he could smell it cooking? He goes, "Hmm, fish." <laughs> is Jim Bay thinking that I, I smell fish on a plank? Oh, it's that's a good tree. question. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was thinking of was, as I was watching this episode was, that's a lot of elephant snot water. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And that makes me also think, can Jimbei just force some pee out of him or some snot to have a shot as a weapon if he has to? He doesn't have to be around water, right? Yeah. He can kind of create his own. How has yeah. that, how has that yeah, not see, been asked? Yeah, these are the questions. <laughs> these, these Many are such cases. <laughs> Is Jimbei like a Pokemon where he could just produce water, you know? <laughs> I'm actually shocked that no one has asked if Jimbei pees, can he use his... Like, that is an SBS question. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oda would love that. Oda would love that. I'm sure he's talked about the elephant snot and how much, you know, you know, I'm not going to go into that. Um, Oda in person. (laughs) (laughs) You probably have one of the best chances of of doing that. Um, Your Jim Pei's voice. Uh, What's the other? Oh, so I think you're also... I mean, of the voice actors, present company excluded, a lot don't have the. You're you're caught up, I know, with the anime. Or you're also pretty far in the manga too, right? Uh, 
I, I try to be. I, I, I can't catch it on. And, and lately, I'm, my real life has kind of taken away from that. I try to catch Awful. it on the plane and stuff. But but I'm, I'm keeping up with it a little bit. Not as not as much as you'd probably like. <laughs> I mean, it, it, no. it's, it's, it's its own part-time job. Yeah. It is. That's why I don't watch any other anime or read anything else. It. I only have time for one. Um, well, a little few things. Okay. Um, yeah. If if I was going to say right now, my biggest time consumption uh, is the breaking down of the fifth gear. I'm like watching all of it, and I'm seeing all the references to all the cartoons that I watched as a child. I know. And and, and I really like the. Um, the uh, Roadrunner legs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I like that so much. That's like ridiculous. No, I, I, I think it's really great to see. I guess One Piece has always been kind of based on that like era of Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and like that era of cartoons. And it's been, and at the beginning it has a lot of that, but it's really nice to see it. And it, it this weird mesh. of it was uh, 11. I, I feel yeah. like we've always joked about it when you're watching, you're like, haha, it's like, you know, the cartoons. But then when Gear 5 happens, it's just like, no, no, literally Looney Tunes. No, literally. <laughs> and that's it's something I was thinking about, okay, when, when he was in fifth gear and he was grabbing Kaido and beating him up and stuff. And you were seeing how Kaido was, you know, taking it like a Looney Tunes character. So is that because of Luffy's power to change everything that he touches? Is it changing Kaido to have him actually, you know, survive all this while being beat up because he's even grabbing them? It's know. a fourth wall thing even, you know, the whole series just becomes Looney Tunes, I think. is the... Right. Uh, Marianne, Josh, Brodsky, I don't want to monopolize. <laughs> Think, like, if not, I have Twitter questions too. I could ask. Okay. For Daniel. Oh, that's I'm not, I, but... you. I saw what? one of the Twitter questions was asking about um, oh. things that I signed and stuff. I didn't sign this, but I did get it. This is a bejeweled Funko Pop Jim oh, Bay. Stop. In, bejeweled. Uh, stop. He's bedazzled. He is You're amazing. amazing. Yeah, a lady uh, did every one of these by hand. Wow. Wow. For sale. I was like, yep, yep, that's fine. And so this is like my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my nothing, I guess, all the time. One day that they'll shoot make a flampe one. That and I had to Funko Pop myself. Uh, I oh. <laughs> Wait, that's thing. awesome. And his hair isn't as gray as mine, but. I got one. Well, you get to you get to imagine it how you want to imagine it. I, I think is the is the good thing. Because um, I was gonna say, like my question, I think you kind of answered before. Because like you play such a beloved character, even like for myself, like reading it and just like the emotions and I, a lot of the feelings you get from him too. He's kind of like when he, now that he's finally on the crew, he feels very like much like the dad, where he's can finally a little bit more retired and like. Can oh, just, yeah. can like oversee being like I'm just gonna drive the Very car. Very retired, yeah. Uh, but he's not, you <laughs> know, the one black coffee drive through the drive through. He's like he'll get it, make sure everyone gets a happy meal. <laughs> yes, okay, kids, we're going to McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> I've been I've been rereading Whole Cake Island, and Jim Bay is such a presence in like. And I'm gonna steer everyone in the correct direction here. I guess that's I didn't mean the pun there, but it works. Yeah. But in that, you know, this is how it's you know, I'm gonna is it okay, Luffy? I think we should do this and this and this and this. Um, it's just crazy seeing the adult in the room 
for the straw hats that you that you are. It's it's great. I'm sure it's yeah. they need that presence. Uh, yeah. 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 Frankie's like, Robin. He's no longer dead. No, you have you have, you have Jim Bay. That's Robin right never even tried. It was just Not too really. much. Um, no. she just laughed at everyone for being ridiculous. Frankie is now the uncle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As he should be. Yeah. I think. Um. Uh, <laughs> I was just and. I, I just since we talked a little bit about what's to come in the manga, um, I think the uncle energy exudes. I don't know if you've seen the Jimbei outfit for the next arc. That uh, oh yeah, seen that. It, it's like a Hawaiian shirt, like kind of like that. Like, it, it is, well, it's, it's funny. Fun. Everyone's in like super futuristic stuff. Sanji excluded for some reason, also. But then like Jimbei's in his like I'm retired now. I'm going yeah. to. Going to Boca or whatever. Going to Margaritaville. Uh, yes. Margaritaville. Yeah, he that's it. He doesn't need spandex. He doesn't need no. boots. He's too old for this. Yeah, I'm just going to wear my weird floral hoodie, and uh, it's going to be great. I think you're going to really enjoy that, is what I mean to say. Oh, I think yeah. Jinbei is very funny so far in, in the arc. There could always be more Jinbei. I think this is what you wanted, the, the Poochie moment you wanted us to say. But it's right. true. There could always be more. I think generally with the Straw Hats, since there's 10 of them now, you could always, you always want more of them interacting. Um, hopefully we see yeah. more. Um, I hope you're excited for some Hawaiian shirt, Jimbei. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> see, that's the one I'd want a pop of. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, uh, that would yeah. be a good one. Yeah. I want that figure just of like uh, sitting on a, I think, oh, um, I don't know if you saw, um, our co-host Steve did uh what was it, Lazy River Jimbei, where yes. he's sitting yeah. on the yeah. Yeah. Um that's that's the exuding, you know, kind of theme, I guess. Uh, I don't mean to give directors notes like a year <laughs> before you get to it. Um uh, so I'll, I'll ask uh, oh so sorry, Marianne Brodsky, Josh. Any more Uncle Jimbei questions? I mean I was I was gonna ask about merch, but I can't top. The, the bejeweled no thing. bejeweled yeah. Funko yeah. Pop is something I'm, I'm sad yeah I'm, I'm, I swore that I wasn't gonna turn my home into like a djembe museum but I do have both of the Funko Pops and the one with the with uh, the four pack of them and I'm getting people to they're having me sign the uh, the Going Mary which is kind of weird because like djembe wasn't even on that thing but that's true. I'll sign it anyway. I'll sign it. Yeah. <laughs> the Thousand Sunny makes more sense since... Anime yeah. fans are interesting that way. Yeah. I'm sorry? Anime fans are interesting that way. Uh, having you sign things that you're like, I... Okay. Yep. I wasn't really a part of this, but okay. I could also cool. understand the hesitation of not wanting to get... Because like now that like Jimmy is like officially part of Star his merch is... For someone who collects a lot, like he has so much, and you don't want to, that would take over an entire room. You could definitely <laughs> yeah. take over an yeah. entire room. With yeah, it. you're you're smart to stem the tide <laughs> while it's easy. No, buy it all. <laughs> quite a, quite a few people uh, that do have me sign like a Funko Pop or something is because they have the, the other cast members and they want to complete their set. They can't have it, you know, just hanging there open oh i don't have jim bay so you know they want that and so if you want something signed by me if you're out there and you want something signed by me i'm an old guy so it's very limited time offer on these signatures <laughs> don't so say that see me soon 
You're not that old. Come on. Oh, uh, it's the mileage. The odometer's turned out. No, no. I, I was going to say, in the anime community, let's be honest, 29 is like retirement age in the oh, anime shoot. community. I should be retired like, too then, I guess. Oh, I, I, I'm going to get that Jinbei outfit as soon as I can, um, as someone in their mid-30s. Like, yeah. it's crazy how it feels super skewed. You feel old immediately after you graduate college in the anime community. So I think in the regular world, you are perfectly, you don't have to worry about that. Um it's okay. Funny, when, I go, when I go to Crunchyroll and I'm recording, you know, I'm the oldest guy there, unless our Bruce Elliott walks in and then. Oh I, yeah, hey, you too. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and so, uh, usually, if I get uh, an additional voice character, it's usually something like Hobo Number Three or uh, Old Guy <laughs> Number Four, you know, something like that. So I'm, I'm a. I'm uh, that's typecasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean. Uh, some of my favorite voice actors generally are the older ones and both the English and the Japanese side. So like, I feel like that's something to embrace later on when you get there. Um, you know, that's, I, you know, it's uh, diversity in, in all forms, I think is important, um, generally and in the voice acting uh, world. Um, I'm hoping this will carry into my retirement. Because I'm about yeah. to retire from my, my regular job very soon. And so I'm hoping that this and even, you know, doing signatures and stuff will keep me afloat since we don't know about Social Security. And I just noticed something yeah. in this, uh, the way this just looks like a wart. Ta wart. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, straw yeah, hats yeah, backwards. Yeah, straw hats backwards, yeah. Ta <laughs> Anyway. Uh, so why has no one come up with that? that? Um... <laughs> Any other Brodsky, Marianne, before or Prachash, before I get to no, fan questions? Okay, let's see what the fans have come up with. Um, I don't know if you saw this one, but I'll put it in the chat. Um, Big Mac asked a uh, question for you. What do you think about Joshua Hurstein's design for Jim Bay's Jolly Roger being the inspiration for the official one? So this was sent just as some backstory. I'll put it on our description, too. Um, Josh, who I think is a listener of the show too, or at least was sent this in, in an SBS and Oda said, I like it. I'm going to tweak it very slightly, but I like it. Um, yeah. What do you think of the, of Josh's Jim Bay? Oh, that's fun. I, I think it's great. Um, actually that was the very first piece of Jim Bay merchandise. I bought about uh, some stickers of that on eBay, not eBay on uh, Amazon and put them on my phone and stuff. And I was thinking it was a, I, I was thinking, oh, that's a cool design. Obviously fan made, um, but it is a cool design. And when uh, Odo went with that and tweaked it, I thought that was really very humbling of him. And just, it just shows how cool he is. It really does. Yeah. I think I like th that one a little more. I'm like trying to find the official one again, just to make sure. But no, I really like that one. It's uh, it's slick. Um, maybe too slick for One Piece. Maybe that's the problem. Um, <laughs> next one uh, comes from Papa Proprietor, who said Jinbei has basically become Team Dad as the current and as of the current point in the manga. I yeah. Uh, do you think this man can work the grill? 
Another fishman question. Does he eat Ooh. fish? Absolutely. Yeah, they do. I think they do eat fish. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah. uh, a little cannibalistic, whale, but wait, he's a he's fish. technically a whale and not a fish. So no, <laughs> no, Jimbe is a whale shark. Whale shark. He oh is a no, fish. whale shark, which is a fish. Is a fish. Yes. Yeah, it's confusing, okay. but it is. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because otherwise, he'd be on Zoe as a giant whale guy. You're right. Um, You're right. The mammal. Well, we we eat smaller mammals. So. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, we eat lots of mammals and bigger mammals. Um, so if he were to eat a whale shark, it might of... be messy or other fishmen, but he's not, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he could work a grill just fine, and if there ever oh, yeah. had a fire breakout, he could put it out. Can you have – I think there's a Futurama thing, of, like grilling underwater – and how how you would actually do that under those circumstances. I wonder if he can. Do, are fishmen good with a barbecue? I don't know. Um, the next the next question is from Sam, who says, when doing the voice, are you trying to emulate what the Japanese voice actor is doing? Or I'll add, trying to do your own thing, something in between. Mm, am I doing my own thing? Um, I, I, I do try to emulate the feel of the Japanese. We get to watch the Japanese first. And so uh, I'll watch it a couple of times if I have to, uh, just to get the feel down. Uh, I don't try to mimic the Japanese actor's voice by any means. I just do my own thing. Um, but I do try to get the feel of the, the atmosphere of what it's down, what he's up against, what he's just came across, you know, physicality. Is he running? Am I having to run in place? All the kinds of things like that. So I try to I try to emulate those kinds of things. But it's really up to the director if they want to go a different route than uh, the original. Um, and we'll play with that and we'll get a couple of different takes and they'll bounce them off each other, you know, see what works best and and then put the best one in. That's really interesting. Yeah. I thought about that before. Um, Pop Greens. And we kind of addressed this, but maybe you have a, you have a more out there answer for this. Uh, it says, since you've been going to tons of conventions since Film Red came out, what was the uh, most interesting Jinbei or One Piece in general related thing that you have signed so far? Okay. Um, it has to be, there's this young artist in Arizona. I believe he's in Arizona. Uh, he was at the Arizona convention. Uh, he's on Instagram as Pooh Brezzy, P-O-O-H-B-R-E-Z. Zy, I believe he does uh, anime paintings, and I mean he actually does paintings on these huge uh, panels, um, and you can watch videos of him. He did one during oh, the see. show. He's incredibly with a brush. It looks like just a, a like like he was done with computers, but he he's an amazing artist. He had him. Uh, he had me and R. Bruce Elliott sign one of his that had the whole crew. That was the really coolest thing I got to sign. It was the signing on the back. Oh, you know? I see. So yeah. Looked like my signature. One of the worst things to sign. I got to be honest. To get this out to the fans. One of the worst things to sign are the straw hats. I've had people had had me sign Ooh. the straw hats. <laughs> they do not absorb ink well with a Sharpie. About the only thing you can do is use a black Sharpie and get the band that goes around it 
Oh, uh, yeah. The, the client is just signed. It's like trying to ride on the moon. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I am hoping. Going, I feel very thankful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it looks like crap. You need to paint it. You did I'm hoping with the live action stuff, we get better quality straw hats. And maybe then, maybe better, easier to sign well, ones. But we'll see. Straw is straw. Straw you know, is I don't straw. Know. I doubt even if it's like the, the nicest one. You, it will not be it's nice to a, sign. It's a, it's a texture. texture yeah. <laughs> the, well, the one thing I want to see change, and this is just not going to happen, is uh, when I walk around and visit the vendors and stuff, it's Zorro all day long. They'll have more Zorro stuff than Luffy stuff. And I'm like, yeah. where's Jinbei? Where's Jinbei? <laughs> I like Zoro a lot. He was my, my first fan favorite after, the, you know, the coming order almost. Um, but yeah, I was like, why is it always like four stickers of Zoro and one Luffy and that's it? <laughs> so order more Jinbei. <laughs> Show the demand. Um, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of flampe merch. There's that's true. Zero. <laughs> really zero? Well. But it's one piece. There's 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 there is definitely flampe stuff out there. There's something for every there are like character. Two things, and they're like 150 bucks, and I can't justify that. We're gonna we're gonna have to uh, what do you call it? Uh, crowdfund that. Yeah, we'll crowdfund. We'll okay. we'll go fund uh, go fund you we'll, this. Go fund flampe. I. Go flampe me. No, that's no. <laughs> um, You're trying. You're trying. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. Uh, next one um, comes from Gabe Ruiz, who says, congrats on Jimbei replacing Frankie as Straw Hat's dad. I feel like we address literally everything here. My question about Jimbei's dream for Fishman equality. It's probably one of the hardest to achieve, like, real in real, I guess in real life, uh, what do you believe it'll take for his dream to come true in the series? Oh, I, I see what he means to achieve. Like in real life, we have the same issue here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And thankfully the universe of war, uh, one piece is not our real life. <laughs> so well, we have that hope. Um, something as complex as like racial relations and stuff like that, it gets intertwined and the the only way that we'll ever come together on anything like this is just small steps of individuality of kindness and grace and and not being jerks and seeing what's fair and stuff um as for the show i'm not sure if there's any one thing that could happen i mean uh Jimbei supplied his blood to luffy if the whole world was watching maybe that might have helped things um However, we, we are seeing some changes where things are much better than they were when the series started, at least in my point of view. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, fishmen fight alongside humans in certain situations. So it'll be interesting to see how the fishman role is at the final arc and the final battle, the battle royale is what I call it. Um, see how that goes. But just in, I, th I think uh, One Piece is such a microcosm of, all different kinds of issues, all different kinds of issues and emotions and, and things. It's just, that is just another piece that's weaved into this that makes this show so interesting and so appealing to so many different people. Um, but as for how to solve the problem, I'm not sure if, how. Uh, yeah, I'm not the that. that is one very deep question, which is 
good uh i could spend a couple of beers on you know <laughs> uh but yeah it's a good question but I, i'm not sure how I, I would just say that hopefully uh because one piece isn't our real world that there will be some unification of them um i'll also say we don't know how luffy's going to become king of the pirates still so completely at least uh, we don't know what the One Piece is, but you know these things. I'm sure will start to become more clear as we go on. Um, those were the fan questions, so now I'm going to ask our usual questions. Um, the first, and you cannot say Jimbei. It's off the table. Who is your favorite Straw Hat? And I, we know the answer is Jimbei, but if it's not Jimbei, or I should say pre-Jimbei, let's pretend. There is a right answer. Is there? And it's not Zoro, it's Josh. <laughs> no, Josh. <laughs> um, there's three that I really like. Not to take away from the others, but there are three that I really like. But I have to say, number one is Monkey D. Luffy. He Good is That's the right so answer. Freaking funny. Uh, I, I love Luffy. Um, <laughs> uh, outside of him, I also... Love the backstory of Nami. Um, very strong character. I like that a lot. And um, like I said, I've always liked Zoro from the very beginning. But I'm starting to come around on Sanji. There was a while there. Though. Yeah. <laughs> that's all of us. That's all of us. I, I think that's the vibe. And, and now I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I can dig him. He's, he's cool. So. We all liked him at first. Then something happened. <laughs> And then we liked him again. The dark times. He was never my favorite. And then you get to like the whole cake island. I was like, okay, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I've been, as I said, I've been rereading that. And it is very heart wrenching. A lot of the, a lot of his backstory stuff. And the backstory at the beginning is also heart wrenching. Um, But then a bunch of stuff in the middle. Um, We won't talk about Uh, the next question. Who is your favorite non straw hat pirate? Anyone else? Um, I do have a penchant for Buggy. I, I, I like Mike McFarland's character a lot. Um, <laughs> I also like Panda Man. Yes. Good and, answer. Um, <laughs> if I pick the third, hmm, I might even go, um, hard to say. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have to do three. Um, you're giving, you're giving yourself a harder task than was assigned. Um, who's, who's your favorite antagonist? And it can't be Buggy because Buggy isn't really an antagonist. Uh, Blackbeard. Good answer too. I like Blackbeard's voice and his laugh. And <laughs> so it's such a great role. I mean, he's, like, he's a pirate. He's one of the One Piece people yeah. that looks like a pirate. <laughs> well, he's the archetypal uh, yeah. pirate. Um, the last question I have is, what is your favorite story arc? I'm torn between two. Um, although Whole Cake Island was really fun, stuffing some uh, food down Big Mom's mouth. Um, I really you did do that. like... <laughs> I, I, the, the battle, uh, well, the, the escape from Impel Down and the Impel Down arc and the Marine Ford battle. I think Marine Ford battle is my top. I think oh, nice. I, I could never get used uh, sick of it. I could watch it all the time. 
It's funny because it's like answering from Jimbei's point of view, I guess. If like, where did I stand out the best in this series? <laughs> okay, I'm going to be honest. Most of the shows that I have seen have Jimbei. No, I get, I get it. I I would be the same way if I voiced Jimbei. Um, no, that makes sense. And and to be fair, I think I, even if you don't take Jimbei into consideration, those are good answers. Um, Wait, I, I thought of a third, and I mean, you only had to do one. <laughs> no, I want to know. Yeah, now I, I need to. So you'll have to correct me, but I love the character, and I'm going to say it. What I think is wrong, which is probably the right way to say it, Yamoto. Ah, uh, Yamato. Yamato. Yeah. Yamato. I knew I had a 50-50 chance, and I f it up. Yeah, I guess yeah. Jinpei never really says his name. <laughs> I love that character. It, he's so awesome. Uh, yeah, neat, neat awesome. character. Uh, any other questions? Those were mine. Okay. I think we've been talking around an hour, too, almost. Um, I know. Flew by. Uh, everyone support your Uncle Jinbei. Yes. Make sure, to, make sure to go out at conventions and only give... Uh, Daniel, non-straw hat, uh, Jimbei-related <laughs> items. You could get, like, straw uh, hat printed on, like, a shirt if you want to do it. Like, sign shirts are yeah. something signed, something, too, though. Yeah. But something, like, flat. You need, like, a good marker, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get it. Get him some markers. Yes. Get him some paint pens. <laughs> oh, bring your own when you have the straw hat sign that you know works on the that, straw hat. That that's actually, how you do that it. That actually, yes, do do that. If you have something yeah. that's weird to sign, <laughs> bring your own thing to sign, have people sign it with. And that concludes yeah. this episode of Convention Tips. Um, <laughs> I say having only been to one myself as a guest. <laughs> uh, God, but that straw hat. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. I hope we have, I'm sure we'll have you again yeah. soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad we finally got to, to meet up. Uh, yeah. To all, your, all your fans. I need more fans on my socials. I'm on all of them, so just dig me out. I'm there. Well, we'll link them all, so just follow them all. And buy all the Jimbei merch, so Jimbei becomes the most popular straw hat. I already know he's probably up there, oh, like way higher than I would even think. Um, he's t- he's top half for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're only, you're also saying that because you share a birthday with him, Josh. That might be. Yeah, and he's got a good birthday. <laughs> wow. Real, real quickly, uh, on on YouTube there was a Watch Mojo where it was the 20th most powerful people in One Piece, and I was like, oh boy, is Jinbei on the top 20? And they started out with number 20 was Zoro. And Jimbei wasn't even wow. on there. Like, that, is a, that is a... <laughs> what? Like, yeah, how, do you, how, do you, how do you find 19 stronger people than that? Because let me tell you, like, Jimbei is, is also no, that's like, one pow- of my, my favorites because I no. love me a good This is the day. power scaling hour. Power, yeah, I was going to say, this is a community we don't relate to <laughs> no. or cater to. Uh, Jimbei, top five. Um, oh, yeah. We'll just... There you go. At, le- at least on this segment right now. Um, <laughs> also, no, wait. No, he was just also ranked. Uh, so in this one, there was a question on who could like out drink everyone in the straw hats. And Jimbei oh. was number one. Jimbei can handle his liquor over Zoro. Wait, now you're typecasting Daniel again as someone who could drink. Uh, well, not saying that he like, J- uh, Jimbei doesn't have yeah. to, but he can definitely but, take Zoro. <laughs> yeah, they're not calling Jimbei a drunk. They're no. just saying he can hold it when he he's could, got yeah. to. Yeah. 
Oh, that by the way. Yeah, actually. That's true. Yeah, like, that. I don't know if that's part of the impetus. Or maybe fishmen are just really good with it. I'll never understand power scaling. Constitution. (laughs) You know, power scaling should be constitution by how much alcohol they could drink. That's a much more interesting list to me. Anyway. That Nami'd be way way up higher than Zoro, Nami. Zoro did well the Whiskey Peak thing. Anyway, getting off topic. And by that, I mean, thank you, Daniel, for coming on. Thank you so much. I'll say I hope I see you at a a convention because I do go to a lot of the the comic ones. If I do, I'll make sure to come by. (laughs) Please do. Please do. Would love that. And we'll tell people to come to New York or tell that you want you need to be in New York. Anyway, thank you. Tell people in New York (laughs) to tell them to to bring Daniel on. Yes. I'm not including this this part at all, which means it's gonna be in it. Um, Okay. We're good. All right. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you very much. <laughs> have a good evening. Right. Bye. <laughs> this is the Manga Recap for Volume 106, A Genius's Dream. So this is uh, Story Time with Stephen for the SBS for Volume 106. Right. And uh, joining us for this segment, of course, is... Our very special guest, the translator for One Piece and uh, Weekly Shonen Jump, Stephen Paul. Hey, yes, it's uh, it, it's overdue. Um, this this volume came out a couple yeah. months ago at this point. But, July fourth, um, yeah, yeah. It uh, it's been a busy couple months with uh, the Gear Five and the uh, live action series, so we're finally getting mm-hmm. around to it. Yep. And joining us for this segment are uh, Team Dark. Team Dark is back, and it's uh, Josh McKenzie. Uh, hey, sports fans. Welcome back. And Brodsky. Hey, it's been a minute. <laughs> Welcome back. So, yeah, I uh, guess we'll start on the cover of Volume 106. Stephen, take it away. All right. Yeah, we got a um, another Egghead cover here. Uh, very colorful. I don't know if we even talked about this one on the uh, the podcast itself. I think, but am I wrong? Is this the first time we got their color palette for Egghead? Uh, now oh. I don't even remember last last volume. I thought we did, but maybe hmm. maybe we didn't. Um, it's a very um, uh, how should I say this? Like um, a good and plenty, like a lot of purple and white <laughs> and pink here. Yeah, I, I like the, the the base color, the base sort of that dark ocean blue. It's very nice. Yeah, the background. Mm-hmm. Egghead looks like a sherbet kind of. Yeah, very Mike and Ike coated. I agree. Ice cream, yeah, like thirty-one flavors. Jimbei's yeah. shirt. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this uh, one was this volume. I think. Uh, what was the promotional video? Was that the um, Calliope Mori uh, music video that they did to uh, promote this? I think. I don't it, know. Before it came out, um, you know, like with one hundred and five, we had that crazy like punk records video with the yes, um, yes. the hot uh, the hot jazz like seatbelts style um, accompaniment, and so they did it again for one hundred and six, and I believe that was with the VTuber um, Mori Calliope. Um, so it's it's good to see them um, getting uh, lots of more, making it more of an event whenever they uh, they put out a new volume. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a. This tells you pretty much like if it was a any other arc, I think he would have chosen the like adventure in the land of science type of uh, title. But um, this one is called A Genius's Dream. And uh, if we look under the um, the cover, I was actually before we were setting up, I was just um, looking at this because I forgot 
where the panda man was and i and i made a discovery which i didn't realize at first um now the one that will stick out to you first is uh robin's face robin has turned into panda man oh no that's a jump scare yeah that's a downgrade (laughs) i'm sorry panda man but uh um but if you look even closer at the little um like uh what are they new pneumatic tubes um the uh that the people uh float through there are actually two little panda men i just noticed them oh my god yeah i was like i was kind of felt like the the robin was a little bit of a cop out i'm like oh that's really really obvious one but then i was like oh no (laughs) he's just he's just going (laughs) yeah yeah there's one on the left and then there's one at the bottom just above uh the hiroda um so yeah, he's traveling all over the place. And um, if we turn on the uh, the inside flap for the author comment, I love this illustration here because he just he just did the Google reCAPTCHA thing where it's an illustration of <laughs> Chopper chilling on a beanbag. He seems to be smoking a spliff or something. Like he's he's yeah, definitely it's a got choked up <laughs> Chopper. For sure. Yeah, he got yeah. into Lost Stash. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting uh, in the love sack like that, <laughs> right, right, yeah, and uh, and and he's got the the whole like uh, select all the the tiles that contain chopper. Um, it is like a, it, it is totally the the Google thing. <laughs> chopper <laughs> captcha. And twenty twenty captcha. His uh, his comment <laughs> here is uh, AI is advancing with blinding speed. Um, some people say that. Human evolution has gone hand in hand with lies. Uh, people are able to live in groups because they can lie to each other. Um, when we create robots that can lie to people, that could be a huge turning point in history. And what will those robots say? I am not a robot. Um, so at any rate, the future is full of excitement. And here comes volume 106, the Future Island arc. So... Uh, uh. Yeah, he's clearly been thinking about the uh, the Google Captcha stuff. A very dismal view of humanity. I, mm. I respect it. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is around the time too that he was doing those. Um, I don't know if you remember this when he was like playing with Chat GPT and he was like, "Come up with the come up with the story for what to do next." And then like you know the the it would spit out something and he would say like, "That's not funny." Like make it more interesting. And then it it did something else. It, you know, gave him another idea for for Egghead, and he was like, "Okay, that's cool. I'll draw that. Thank you." Um, so he's been he's been messing around with it and having fun. So I'm sure that was on the brain. Um, but yeah, this is Volume 106, A Genius's Dream, and it covers from Chapter 1066, The Will of Ohara, through Chapter 1076, uh, Old Friends. So this is all this is all Egghead, um, starting from the um, the, the flashback to uh, young Vegapunk and uh, Dragon hanging out together in Ohara and going all the way to uh, Shanks uh, hanging out with the Giants in Elbaf um, and about to fight uh, Kid. Um, so, let's see. Where is our SBS? I'll say, like, I didn't want to be um, reminded about that Kid fight. <laughs> yeah, I was scrolling through well, it, I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> I think that's going to be well, probably first chapter of the next volume, too. Um so our first SBS segment on page 24, uh, we have a, a nice um, header illustration of uh, Vegapunk, or is Vegapunk? Yeah, he's there. And then all of the um, the satellites, uh, the six different Vegapunks. 
and they're all just kind of hanging out um, and uh, acting like themselves. And our first comment here is, um, "Hey Odachi, uh, here you know, in, enjoy some chocolates. Uh, you know, take a take a break. You know, just uh, just chill and, and have a snack. Oops, oh that one had poison in it. I'm sorry." Um, and then there's like a little, uh, like a, a cheeky little like, okay, let's start the uh, the SBS, which will be uh, chock full of questions. Um, and uh, Oda is like, thump, beep, 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 like, you know, the, the heart monitor. <laughs> and he's like, oh, whoa, I nearly died there. Oh, whoo. Um, you know, and he's like, listen, okay, if there's one thing I know about chocolates, there are no poison-filled chocolates. Uh, they do not exist. That's not a thing that happens. Um, I wouldn't be so sure a, about that. It's a bold, <laughs> yeah. it's a bold statement. It's a bold right. statement, yeah. <laughs> um, our, and our, our first real question here or comment is um, from Daikon Man, who says, Oda-sensei, congrats on winning the, uh, the WBC, uh, <laughs> referring to the World Baseball <laughs> Classic, which uh, Japan won at the start of the year. And uh, so Oda has a, a little fun with that. And he says, oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, you heard about that, huh? Do you hear about my, uh, my, my double-bladed exploits? Uh, yes, I had a, a lot of delicious wakame uh, seaweed with the wakame boiling club at the WBC. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think he's, he's – he, so the double-bladed comment, I believe, is um, a reference to uh, Otani – because he's sure, playing two ways. Right, right. He's a pitcher and yeah. a hit and a slugger. Um, mm. And so that's how they, they refer to him in, uh, in Japan. Um, next, uh, Shanks and Ben Beckman. Which one is more popular with the ladies? Who gets more ladies? And, uh, you know, the, the question we've all been, been wanting to know, this is the real yeah, power <laughs> scaling. I mean, <laughs> many such cases I have here. my own opinions right now, but I'll keep it to myself yeah, after you answer. See. And this, yeah. this is strict, strictly wait, manga, wait. not live action. Wait, hold on, Brodsky. Oh, I have opinions uh, put, on put, all of them. Brodsky, put your choice in now. Who's more popular? Uh, see, so I have... Okay, I know, I know Shanks is that, but like, there is, there is something about Ben <laughs> Beckman that's just so hot. Um, so I'm just gonna put my like my person in my personal opinion. I love Shanks, but they're it, like manga man- manga Ben. Mm. Um. See, I think Ben Beckman is more popular with gay men, but I think Shanks <laughs> is for the women. Shanks That's is for my, the women. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. go Shanks. Like Shanks is it's for the women, for the but like yeah. the people who like Ben Beckman are the ones of true taste. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, Oda's answer is Shanks is more popular, I suppose. Yeah. But Beckman hits on many more women. <laughs> he loves the ladies. Oh, great. He'd be very smooth. Yeah. I mean, he's at least, we, we know canonically uh, he gets around because that's what, what he was doing when he uh, had left uh, Shaki when we first saw him in, in Shabaudi. Um, last question on this one is, um, please, uh, can you rank these straw hats by how well they hold their liquor? Uh, you have been, you've depicted Zoro and Nami being very resistant uh, to alcohol, but what about the others? And uh, so, yeah, he gives us a little one through ten ranking. Uh, number one is Jimbei, uh, followed by Zoro and then Nami. And then Frankie, Sanji, Robin, Brooke, Usopp, Luffy, and Chopper. Uh, and he says, this is a difficult ranking to make because liking booze and being able to handle it are different things. So not everyone on the crew drinks with the same level of enthusiasm. Uh, Luffy 
Luffy could potentially drink a lot, but he would always rather eat first. So. I was like, I'm like, who, give, who gives Chopper any alcohol? Please don't. That's <laughs> a babe. Yeah, he's underage, yeah. He should, not, <laughs> he should not have any alcohol. Um, and uh, then we will move on to the next SBS segment um, where we have uh, one of the, the regulars, uh, the regular illustrators, Hippo Iron, who has a very adorable uh, Wano-era uh, illustration of Otama and Chopper, and she's showing off the uh, the woven hat uh, with uh, the Tanuki sitting on his balls and um, uh, the uh, the baboon and uh, Chio. What was the... Uh, I forget what the lion dog's name was. Um, Komachio. Komachio, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, man, it's been it's been a little bit since Wano at this point. Um, and our first segment is uh, asking someone is asking Oda to draw the personification of Law's Kikoku. Oh. Um, and uh, then there's another person who says, "Can you please uh, draw Katakuri's mole spear, Mugura?" Um, and <laughs> and they say, "You always draw them looking dumb, so make this one look cool." Um, and so, <laughs> so Oda draws. Oda draws the mole is just it's just a mole like standing on like hu- very human legs, uh, but he's got a crown on his head and he is eating a donut, just like uh, just like Katakuri. I, mm. I feel that mole deeply. <laughs> I know. I want a toy just, of that yesterday. It's it's and, very um, uh, Azumanga Dayo. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, and then Kikoku. Uh, is a this one is actually a pun on Oda's part. Um, so it's basically a guy with a mustache, with like a Salvador Dali mustache, a wax mustache, and uh, he's got like a, a cap, a baseball cap with a sword point uh, sticking out of the end. Uh, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so tired from my travel," because uh, he's got a big backpack on. And so this the the joke here is like uh, Kikoku is the the kanji that Oda uses is like demon howl or something like that. Um, but, uh, the, the word, if you just heard the word itself, Kikoku, like the, the, the everyday Japanese meaning would be to return home. Um, so <laughs> he's, you know, like he's gone on, on a trip and now he's coming back home. It's uh, mm-hmm. so that, that was the joke he did there. The mustache is um, getting me when I saw that. I'm just like, Oh no, that's lost sword. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But it's but a disguise of, mustache. I yeah. kind of actually love the pun intended with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, uh, the next one is a. Uh, this is a question that I really wanted to know because uh, it was very confusing to to everybody, um, which I think you can you can probably tell even without reading Japanese what this is about. Um, it is a question about Law's Kroom, uh, the Kroom beats to uh, to study to, um, or uh, K room as uh, as we're going to call it. Um, and the question is: Is the K from Law's Awakened technique K room short for Kakusei, which is awakening? Or is it from Kikoku, the name of his weapon? Um, and Oda explains, well, Law's battle techniques involve, you know, first he has to create the room. That's his surgical room where he can, uh, you know, do whatever he wants. Um, and in the K room, he is uh, lo- he's locking his own sword within the room. Um, and that's, that's how he uses his, like, his special sort of sword vibrating um, powers that, that, that are super powerful. Um, and they make the shockwave with his, uh, like, a gamma knife. So the K is short for knife, actually. Oh. That, um, 
as a as a as a casual lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face. This is probably <laughs> one of the most interesting questions because like that was something I was wondering mm-hmm. why, but no, that makes sense now if you think about his attacks while he's in when he uses K room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, n- I needed to know about the room. The so cr- this is good. Yeah, <laughs> we need to know. The and actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, it should be the room because the K is silent in knife. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Up. It's yeah. still it's still room, but different vibe mm-hmm. of room. Yeah. Knife knife room. And he explains that the other one that he has done re room uh, is short for remote. Um, so prior to using re re room, a law would always have to be inside the room. He had to be the attending surgeon. Um, but with the awakening of his power, he was able to um, to remotely use mm. the, uh, the operating room. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's what those mean. He says pretty much as he always says, uh, if that all seems too complicated to understand, don't worry. Just go on vibes. No, no, this is I, honestly that makes the most sense. As soon as you mm-hmm. said remote room, I'm like, yeah, because he does it. He's not inside it when he's like trapping. Right. Big Mom is like the, mm-hmm. little, the image shows there. And I'm like, that makes so much sense um mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it's good good to know because i i was very confused i think everybody was was confused about that i feel like we um, all just so. like heard him use a new move and got all excited and didn't really think <laughs> about we're like he's still in his bubble but yeah, what else cooler. matters <laughs> it's just a cooler bubble um so the uh next segment here page 58 i i love this this header illustration uh, it is someone they I feel like this is somebody like pretending to draw kind of like a like a kid like, like a little kid um, it is a drawing of Sanji um, in his like classic uh, Baradier like suit um, but he is holding a gun and he is shooting a bullet which is making a smoke trail that causes the SBS to be written kind of SBS uh, to be displayed in the air um so many questions about this <laughs> he um, can bend the bullet you know yeah, I, I guess so yeah I, di- I didn't know he was uh he was doing that but maybe you know maybe season two of the uh, live action show we'll see sanji <laughs> shooting a gun um our first question here is about uh it's about cypher pole um so we've seen rob lucci and the other cp9 members get promoted to cp0 but not Jabra, Fukuro, and Kumadori. Are they part of CP02? Um, and Oda says, uh, yes, if you saw One Piece film Red, you will know that Bluno and Khalifa are members of CP0 as well. Um, yes, all the past CP9 members are now in CP0. Um, however, the the members of CP0 who have the masks, uh, who include Luchi, Kaku, and Stussy, um, are known as the masked killers and they are given more uh, special duties special missions uh, than the others so i guess that's why we see them but not the other uh cp9 me- former cp9 members whatever uh, fukuro does the paperwork yeah yeah i mean the, the, those three are definitely like the busters of the group so <laughs> i'm not surprised that they are they're not out doing the uh, the elite stuff what a really just well, the biggest dorks movie. <laughs> bigger dorks than kaku yeah, yeah. yeah. Kak, Kak, Kaku's just—he's just over the line. He just just got in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so the next question is: uh, I want to eat rice balls that were squeezed by Robin's beautiful hands. Me too. And uh, Oda says, "Yeah." So why? 
<laughs> Heard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh succinct <laughs> and uh the next uh the next postcard comes from someone who just says i totally agree and um is <laughs> like wow that's you know that's interesting and it takes a lot of guts to submit a letter like that and have no idea how i'm going to put that into this volume um so you know <laughs> uh, props to you um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the uh, the final question here, and this is kind of an interesting one because I think there was a lot of uh, controversy about this, it, both in the SBS and when it happened in the manga. Um, so this is about a uh, little uh, baby Hancock, S. Snake's uh, love, love, mellow, the mellow, mellow powers. Um, so the question is, uh, when little girl Hancock does her uh, love, love, mellow, that would be the Viz version, and when she does that attack and turns you into stone, uh, will other people accuse you of being a creeper? Um, in, 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 the, uh, in Japanese, he uses the word lolicon here. Uh, they won't, will they? Right? Right? Like, please, please, tell me I'm safe. Tell me I'm still safe. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. <laughs> and that comes from uh, Yamaguchi One Piece Theory Club. And uh, Oda's, Oda's very tactful response here is, uh, so these the powers work by leaving people vulnerable whenever they feel that the user is cute or pretty. Well, everyone thinks babies and little kids are cute, right? Uh, so that that's all it takes for the powers to turn you into stone. Um, so one of the, if one of the people who got petrified happened to be a creeper, uh, nobody would be able to tell that that was the actual reason why. Um, so uh, nobody will know that you are a creep, but have fun getting turned into stone anyways. Um, so that was a little savage. Yeah, basically... Yeah, he's uh, yeah he he, uh, he cuts that guy down pretty well. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot. I, I remember people talking about this when uh, she used the power on like the mm-hmm. uh, the marine or the agents or whoever, and uh, and was like they're all like they're all uh, you know pedos or something. And uh, I, personally, I was always of the opinion like, oh, I thought that it was pretty obvious that like it just works on if you find them cute or not it doesn't have to be like an, an attraction thing it's just like oh like oh she's so she's so sweet um and and so that that always made sense to me um, i was a little taken aback by uh the um some of some of the accusations that people were making but um i, I thought this uh you know was a pretty funny way to uh to address that yeah a little clarification right right um let's see next one on page 76, uh, we have a, uh, a header illustration of uh, Pythagoras, um, who is looking at, I'm not sure what this is supposed to be. I guess it's just like a, is it a star map or a sea chart or something like that. It looks like a Dragon Ball radar. Um, the zodiac signs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's, uh, he's connecting the dots here to make an S, and then there's a B and an S on the... Uh, uh, on the console and on his antenna. Uh, that's an interesting one. It's very cute. Um, yeah. Uh, so the first the first question is actually kind of gross here. So I don't know if anybody here has ever eaten natto, um, the famous uh, fermented soybean, um, uh, one of one of the national delicacies of Japan. It's breakfast um, for old people. I'll, yes, I'll, okay, yes, but is. as you said that, I was like, I kind of like it. <laughs> You do that? Oh, that's really cool. But I'm an old um, man, so that kind of tracks. Sure, sure. 
Um, so the, the comment here is the next time you eat a package of natto, so the, just for, for people who have not seen this, like the, the way that you buy it from the store, if you don't make it yourself or whatever, like the instant natto is like in a plastic container and there's like a film on top. And, um, after you, you know, you cook it or whatever. Um, and so the comment here is the next time you eat a package of natto, pull the plastic film directly upward and the sticky strings like the the goop that is you know that the the beans are in <laughs> will recreate the scene of the destruction of lucia in chapter 1060 um, so you have this helpful little illustration of um, the lasers yeah mm. um it reminds me of another uh, manga scene but i will not refer to that one um i, I don't want to gross anyone out but yeah it's it's plenty it, it is kind of a shock what the first time you you see natto or you try natto um because yeah they're they're super sticky and um that's kind of what they look like they leave these like film filmy little strings um on everything and and oda's like ah yes uh, they do look like that it, it, that does look like those mysterious beams of light we saw in that scene you know the way that they stretch and they stretch and he's like oh knock it off <laughs> he's like he's like people died okay <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and our next comment is about uh, Marine Base G14. So when we see uh, the base in uh, the following chapter, 1061, um, when we saw all of the uh, the Punk Hazard kids and uh, Vice Admiral Dahl and everything, um, so I, I couldn't help but notice that when we see the exterior shot of the base, that they there are like balloon-looking things on the edge of the base. Uh, does someone attach balloons there for fun? And Oda says, yes, they are balloons. Uh, base G14 is close to Egghead. Uh, so the, uh, the kids that we saw in Punk Hazard when they were taking them off to see uh, Vegapunk, uh, Dr. Dr. Bigapants, as they called him, uh, they took them to G14, which is where they've been getting uh, treatment for their um, gigantification ever since. And because it's a Navy base, so it's just a big, ugly, uh, you know, um, very um, a brutalist uh, building here. That's my commentary. Uh, Vice Admiral Dahl had the balloons attached to make them a little bit more appealing and friendly to the children. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, that's where they're they're hanging out right now. Yeah, they whimsy up the place. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and our last comment here is about this is a, a this is one that I don't think really translates into English. Um, it is about Marco. the uh, The person says, "Oda Sensei, I want to be friends with Marco the Phoenix. Can Me? you ask Marco if that's cool or not?" Um, and so who asked this question? They got my question. <laughs> yeah, listen up, Brodsky. <laughs> it's, it, is, uh, it is from pen name Once a Friend. Um, and, uh, the, the, uh, Otis response is, okay, Marco, what do you say? Um, and so he basically says like, it's cool. Um, but he, the way he says that in Japanese is yoi, uh, which is like his, his little catchphrase thing that he says at the end of all of his sentences. He's like, ah, blah, 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 yoi. Um, and, uh, which also can mean a uh, good if it's taken on its, on its own. So Oda kind of like uh, takes his catchphrase and, and turns it into an actual answer to the question. Um, incidentally, that was kind of like the thing that that was a source of controversy on the, the podcast all those years ago, Ed, if you remember that in uh, Marineford when um, hmm. 
Marco, like you, you guys initially had been had assumed that Marco was like very flippant or like very kind of callous to everyone oh. else, and it was because there was like a there was a specific line where like the scan leaders at the time were just they, they would just translate it as good like whenever he he said that at the ah. end of his sentences and so it was something where like someone else was taking care it was somebody else was fighting someone or, or something like that and so he's like oh i guess i don't need to to worry about that um and so they had translated it as like oh i guess i don't need need to do any work good um and and it made him come across like he was very very much like not trying to do anything in Marineford. Yeah. uh and i Ooh. think that was she could that see was maybe the look part on my face right now <laughs> <laughs> i think that was part of the reason why he got stuck with the uh, the butters voice um in uh <laughs> in all those old manga recaps yeah some regrets um yeah out of curiosity steven when you're translating marco uh, when mm-hmm. you get to that quirk, does it like change the meaning of his sentence generally, or is it just sort of like a touch at the end of his? It's thoughts? no, it's it's just like a little a little catchphrase thingy that he he does that um, uh, you know makes him sound like it, it gives him a little distinctive air um, that Oda thought would be fun to do. I think mm-hmm. um, and and makes him stand out when you you hear his. Um, or you see his lines of dialogue on the page and stuff. Yeah. Um, this is why I don't think like it, to personally thank you, Stephen. For saving Marco. Yes, for coming to his uh, honor. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it, I don't think it's something that has ever really been translated in the, in the manga, at least. I'm not sure if the anime subtitles ever did anything for him, but uh, it, it's one of those things that's like, it's so subtle and small that it's like really not, not worth like... Uh, going out of our way to um to give him a little quirk so sure um it's just kind of one of those things um but if we move on to the next sbs segment let's see this is page 112 uh this one has a uh a header of uh bonnie accosting a little little baby vegapunk when um she made him uh spit out all of his uh his stars i guess um and uh yeah she's she's angry at him and uh the first question here is about the uh the cooking machine is the the jetsons uh the 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 automatic automated cooking machine here um, that we saw and uh, they're pointing out that if you look very closely um at the machine in the background you can see buttons that say east west south and north um, so all the cardinal directions are those are those for like seasonings for the different regions of the world and what kind of flavoring uh, or what, what kind of special touches do they have and um, uh, Oda says okay so actually if you look at this you can see that there's all these little circle icons um, all, all around the machine um, and uh, there's there's a lot of them, but there are not 500, which is the number of dishes that the machine can make. Um, so that's because if you press east, uh, for example, it will change all of the icons to dishes from the east blue. And then if oh. you press west, south, or north, it will switch to the um, the menus for all of the, the different regions of the world. Um, and this machine of dreams can make them all. So... Uh, yeah, that's how it works. I'm not sure if there's a uh, you can't see culture any, of the Grand Line. I guess. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, there's probably there's probably plenty of good stuff on the Grand Line, but uh, you can't see it on this uh, 
this little illustration that they they use because he kind of goes behind uh, the character and they they kind of blur it out. I I really love this like a small detail like that where it's like he has mm-hmm. <laughs> he kind of thought it through for this this like machine in the background. Yeah, yeah it's just, super cute. Just for this like silly gag. Um, next comment here is um, so in the. Uh, the SBS for uh, Volume 105 is kind of a follow-up to, to something that we heard, we saw last time. Um, Oda, you mentioned how you will draw cleavage shots, but you don't draw panty shots. Um, and yet, since starting the Egghead arc, I can't help but notice a drastic increase in butt-centric angles. <laughs> Did you do this specifically for me, knowing that I'm a butt man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's see. I, I swear to God. <laughs> uh, so Otis, Oda explains, uh, so for the future island arc, I wanted to accentuate a stark difference from modern day fashion standards. And so the idea that I wound up with was designs that really show off the butt. Um, and since I, since I haven't drawn any panty shots before, I realized that I wasn't really good at drawing butts. So I've been studying how to draw them more sexy, and I think I've gotten a lot better at it. Uh, it started being fun to me, so now I'm drawing more butt angles. Drawing is fun. <laughs> I just can't. This is very uh, George Lucas. You know, they don't wear underwear in space. Right, 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 right. I think I have tears in my eyes right now because it's just the, the way I'm just thinking about this. I'm just being like, not only will he give, because he's always given us, you know, the man titties as well. So I'm like, well, we get, yeah. you know, we have Zoro in the tight pants. For yeah. me and Josh specifically, can we get that Oda? I'm asking for the Well, people. that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm yeah. fine with more of these, like, kind of cool dynamic upshots um, <laughs> that are apparently ass-centric. Yeah. Uh, as, as long as we get a good mix of gender in there. But, you yeah. know, I, I mean, chase St- your Steve, Steve already started him on the right right path by drawing uh, Zoro with, with Robin's um, outfit. Absolutely. For the, uh, he did. He Absolutely. Did. He did. We just need Oda to, to get on board here. Uh, yeah. It, it is funny that he admits it, too, especially after... What was it, the one... I think it was the one with Lilith, specifically, where he drew with just, like, this really big dumper, and I feel like people just really went off <laughs> on that one. Let um, the man have some fun. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a thousand chapters in. Let him draw ass. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much tits in this series. Right. It is true. Yeah. The killer couldn't be carrying the arc until uh, it was a chapter a thousand. Like he needs to now give everyone mm-hmm. a butt. Yeah. All right. Uh, next. <laughs> oh boy, this one. All right. Uh, next. Uh, SBS. Uh, first of all, our our header is um, the uh, from from the person the the guy who always specializes in the very wholesome ones. Uh, we have uh, kind of like the pencil drawing of uh, Vegapunk and Chopper and a little mini uh, Pythagoras, just his head, along with a very wistful looking uh, Bartholomew Kuma, or I guess it's, it could be Kuma or it could be a pacifista. Um, and there's also a little Edison in the corner. Um, and the first question here is, Odachi, Odachi. He's like, isn't anyone else gonna ask what Brooke's future will look like? Um, <laughs> as a fan of Afros, I take offense to this. Uh, Odachi, please show us the vast possibilities of a skeleton with an afro. And Oda says, okay, sure. And he just draws this little picture of, uh, of Brooke, you know, a little little um, cartoony version of him with just a times four. Um, and in parentheses, 20 years later, 40 years later, 
um, and uh, you know, bad future twenty years later and forty years later. <laughs> uh, when you've got a hairstyle that works, <laughs> you know, why, why mix it up? Why change? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, he he can't really do anything to to change it. It's it's pretty much stuck there. So um, yeah, Brooke's gonna look the same no matter what. That's uh, that's the takeaway here. Um, it is funny because it's like. <laughs> On the one hand, I kind of I would love to see what sort of gags Oda could come up with, but on the other hand, this is also a very good gag to just like take the lazy way out. Um, our next question. Now, this is a this is a very special one here, and I'm, I'm glad that we have the, uh, the the present company for this one. Um, so uh, this is referring to the little uh, cat, the little assist tabby, as I uh, translated it, um, which was it, this basically came about. Um, as a kind of literal uh, follow-up to Oda's, um, his, the, the way that he described the satellites for Vegapunk, which was that he, he called them satellites, but he uses the kanji for cats. And it's because there's a saying in Japanese, there's an idiom that's like, you're so busy, you will even ask the cats for help because, you know, cats are notoriously unhelpful animals. And so if you're, if you're desperate enough, you will even attempt to get a cat to, to help out. Um, and so that was kind of the um, how, how Oda uh, ca- uh, paraphrased or, or characterized um, Vegapunk's uh, decision to create the satellites, you know, these six kind of alter egos or you know, versions of himself um, just to to help out and do more work. Um, and uh, and so he also literally drew the cat in that one scene. Um, and so this uh, this person uh, wrote in to say. Uh, please tell us the name of the cat assistant who appears in that one panel in chapter 1065. Now, in that scene, I called him um, the assist tabby as like a, a way to kind of explain that joke, you know, just to just to kind of like add a little fun bit of wordplay. Uh, but that didn't necessarily appear in in uh, the Japanese because it's like, you know, it's it's a literal example of the idiom. So the Japanese readers would understand what Oda was doing with that there. Mm. Um but uh, Oda has a, a little fun here. Um, and so he, he describes the assist tabby as Joshu Neko, um, which is uh, Joshu is the word for assistant. It literally means like um, assisting or secondary and then hand or helper. Um, so Joshu Neko. And he says, oh, you mean Josh, the Joshu Neko? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's literally, the, that, that's his name is uh so jo- josh the assist tabby um that's him he just loves helping people out when you need to jot down a note he's there with a pen and a piece of paper uh some people say he can even use color of observation hockey um and he will even scratch your back when you've got an itch i just think this is the best character in one piece <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i i, I almost screamed when i saw that i was like oh my god that's this, this is perfect because i literally like there's i don't have to stretch for that at all like it's literally what he wrote there um so josh the joshu um josh is actually in one piece yep there he is. <laughs> he is i was about to, i was about to say when we flipped to this page i was like mm-hmm. that cat drawing is so cute you know and i'm on the you know when we're talking i'm always like oh that's me and i was mm-hmm. very close to saying that so <laughs> <laughs> uh if only um last one here and this is this is actually very timely because i believe we we pretty much saw this play out in the uh, last two uh, last chapter or two in the uh in the manga itself um but this is the sbs about uh, sentomaru and vegapunk 
Um, so in chapter 1069, when Vegapunk and Sento Maru are talking, there's a little bit of dialogue where Vegapunk, when he's putting pressure on Sento Maru to help him, he describes himself as the man who took you in and saved your life. Uh, so what kind of background do they have together? Uh, and so Oda explains... Um, the Navy received a message that uh, wild bears were ransacking a settlement on a certain island. Um, Vegapunk joined the dispatch force to help set up their bear repelling system. Of course, this is we, we saw this with uh, Kizaru in the little flashback. Um, as they surveyed the dangerous terrain, the Navy witnessed a young Sentomaru defeating the bears in a sumo wrestling bout to become the king of the mountain. Uh, he was so violent as a young boy that the people of his village kicked him out. And Vegapunk was so drawn to the strength of this uh, young and constantly starving boy that he hired him to be a bodyguard. And the rest is history. So, um, yeah, pretty much what we saw in that uh, flashback. But, um, it, you know, it's nice that he was able to discuss it and then found a way to work that into the, uh, the manga itself. Yeah, it's actually a very uh, perfect timing for that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we have one more SBS segment here. Um, this last one comes from, let's see, iHeart OP, I OP, and it is a picture of uh, Edison, and he is flying. He's running away, it seems like, from Josh, the uh, assist, the assist tabby. <laughs> there he is. Does he a little laugh there? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a new icon for all my socials. With there you <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, let's see. First question here is about Yokugu. Um, this is a good. This is a good question. It's a good poll. Um, I figured it out about Ryokugu. So back in chapter nine hundred and five, he said, "I haven't had a bite to eat for three damn years." Uh, is this because Ryokugu is a forest a tree plant, uh, a forest man, and can use photosynthesis to get his nutrients without physically eating any food? And Oda's like, yep, that's right. So that uh, mystery solved, I guess. He just said nailed uh, I'm it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's I, I'm sure. Not much of a sacrifice <laughs> after all. <laughs> yeah, got it in one. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there were probably people who, who put that together after we saw his his powers. But I did not I did not think of that. Or I didn't even think of the old uh, the old scene uh, after that, after we saw him. But it's cool. Um, the next question also about Ryokugyu is um, about his uh, his chest tattoo. Um, and he has the, uh, the the tattoo that says double suicide at Death River or Shikawa Shinju. Um, and uh, the question is asking, does that tattoo on Aramaki's chest refer to the actor Yoshio Harada, who is his model? Does that refer to his song double suicide in Shinjuku? So that would have been Shinjuku Shinju. Um, so I guess he did some, uh, he had some singing, uh, some uh, musical uh, aspects to his career too. And Oda says, yes, he did have a song with that title, but no, as a matter of fact, there is a classic Rakugo story called Double Suicide in Shinagawa, which is what I was paying homage to. Uh, double suicides are often of ill-fated lovers, and Aramaki does seem to have some tragic background revolving around women, so he would seem that this tattoo refers to that. We had a full story time on the tattoo. I mean, I mean, that's yeah. the hardest tattoo I ever heard of. It's it's pretty badass. Um, I can't tell from Oda's answer if he's like, you know, stay tuned. You'll we'll find out, or if, or if he's just like, yeah, you know, 
he's some people have history um and and whether he'll leave it at that or not but um I, i'm sure we'll see more of yokuku uh the next question is about the forms of justice of the admirals uh, so what is Ryokugyu's form, form of justice? What is his justice? Um, he does seem to have some very intense ideals, so I'm very curious to know. Um, and uh, it explains that Ryokugyu observes justice if it kills me. Um, and he says, I know that people were curious about Fujitora's form of justice too. Now we thought it was going to be blind justice, right? I think we said that <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. So Oda says, I will say that Fujitora follows virtuous justice or, uh, in Japanese, jingi, uh, jingi aru seigi, um, which is, uh, you know, kind of like the, uh, the, the code of honor. Um, mm. so, uh, yeah, that, that would line up with his kind of general air of, uh, being sort of like the gambler, the, the gambler tropes that he uses, um, yeah. which lines up with the, the sort of Yakuza, uh, mm-hmm. style and, and Jingi is very much like a Yakuza code of honor. So. Well, you remember the, uh, Jingi nighttime Omake mm. special? Yes. Yeah. Oda, Oda loves it. So I'm not surprised to see it come up yeah. here. Um, and our last question for the uh, SBS in this volume is um, in chapter 1074 uh, there is a scene where uh, in the background uh, you know when we see all of the um, the straw hats um, and the uh, CP0 members uh, after Stussy kind of betrays them uh, they, we have a scene where we can see Nami is clearly uh, yelling at or scolding uh, Luchi while Robin tries to calm her down uh, what what what's the deal there? Well, of course, what sort of a conversation were they having? And uh, Oda's like, wow, that's a you know very minor detail to spot. Um, well, you know, Lucci, of course, was the toughest antagonist in the Ennius lobby arc, where he was uh, you know tormenting Robin, and uh, Nami is saying, you won't mess with Robin again if I have anything to say about it. And uh, Robin is is saying like, easy, easy, he's he's defenseless right now, <laughs> um, so she's she's calling, she's holding her back. Um, no, let her cook. <laughs> yeah. Hold me back, Robin. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that is it for the SBS in this volume. Um, so yeah, there right. was some, uh, I mean, some some interesting stuff in this one. I, I I met when I was like flipping through and I saw Marco. I was like sitting here just like waiting. I'm like, what does it say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, great news for you on that front. Yeah. yeah, Marco and Josh. This you, is great. You two can be friends with Marco. Listen, like, <laughs> the only have to have is like the next SBS has to have involved something with Hongo, and me and Josh just keep winning. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see it. I don't know. I mean, you know, it ends with with uh, Shanks getting ready for battle. So you know, maybe maybe there will be a a theme there. I should start submitting questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of questions you could ask like, about him. I still, if to, if I could submit one, I still have one question that's been on my mind since I started reading One Piece, and I'm always being like, I should just submit it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it literally, like, if I had to say it, it'd be, I need to know how the sword ate the elephant elephant fruit. I need to know I can't sleep. <laughs> my crops are dying. <laughs> my children are starving. Please. <laughs> I bet, I bet it's like, like Spandam was going to eat the fruit and he used the sword to like cut it. Like he's like, all right, yeah. I'm just going to cut but it in two it, and it cut, there something cut myself Vegapunk, a slice here. Though? Wasn't, I think it so, had something to do the, with Vegapunk. Vegapunk came up with the technique for having like guns eat things. Well, oh, like inanimate it, objects It started back with, with Lasso. 
Yeah, the yeah, first yeah, one yeah. was less soon. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like a merging technique of like the so, fruit but and we're the coming, we're coming object. full circle now that we're back at Vegapunks and you know how this man made inanimate <laughs> objects <laughs> eat fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's either that or like he he did like the fly thing where he just puts them oh, into yeah. you know two separate chambers and then and then they get fused or something. Yeah, something like that. One day. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to the next segment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks yes. for yeah. hanging out with me. Thank you. Thanks, Steven. I always enjoy Steven's story time. Hey, it's time for the SGS. That means Simba is here. That means Greg is here. That's me. And that and, means... Uh, Steven is here. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's been a, it's been a little while. I think we missed a couple uh, opportunities to uh, to do our little uh, two person segment here, um, talking about stuff. It's been it's been a very busy summer. If people were not aware, I think we we kind of paused for some of the uh, the Gear Five anime celebrations. Um, that was a big thing that happened, um, and then uh, more recently, we've had another big thing that came up which of course is uh, what we're probably going to talk about more today. Um, and that is the Netflix One Piece live action dropped just a week ago. And uh, I think it would be an understatement to say it is setting everything on fire. Um, the <laughs> response has been tremendous, I think. Uh, much, I mean, I, I expected a big reaction, but I think um, it has wildly surpassed, I think, everybody's hopes for uh, you know, the um, viewership and fan excitement and, and all that stuff. Um, B- basically, sorry, we couldn't talk about One Piece. We were too busy talking about One Piece. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah, and, and I think we're, for that reason, we're, we're probably just going to uh, skip over, you know, talking about the, the manga and, and whatever is, um, you know, newest in the, uh, the story. Um, because this is definitely a, a momentous occasion here. And um, not just because, you know, hey, there's a new adaptation of, of One Piece, long awaited, it is finally out, everyone has seen it. But um, in particular, here, uh, you dropped the news on, uh, on Twitter. In fact, you had, you had quite a preamble to this. Um, I think you wrote your, your entire life story in a um, series of tweets. <laughs> Before my, before my entire you, nerd life story, yeah, your nerd life story, yeah, that's true. Um, before dropping your uh, your news that you've been, I would not say that you have been particularly good at hiding this. You've definitely been um, leaving lots of hints for people who were were paying attention. Um, but you finally got to tell the world that you were a, a what, what did you call it? Series advisor? Yes. Um, for the Netflix series. And I am, I'm so fascinated by. It. First of all, congratulations on, you Thank know, you. getting getting it, getting the job, getting <laughs> through the, <Yeah>. the, <sighs> the ordeal, much of which was, um, I believe, uh, laid out in your, um, in your nerd story, um, and uh, and and I'm just so curious. So when you say series advisor, you know, and you can be as general or as specific as you want or you feel you can be uh what does that entail in this case what what were you doing in that role wow um 
I have done many things uh, during the role, and there have been changes uh, throughout from, from the start to now and, and even ongoing. Um, some of the responsibilities are, are, are floating all over the place. Um, I have done everything from uh, translate for Oda um, during mm -hmm. meetings with Netflix, which is absolutely no pressure, um, <laughs> to... <laughs> To um, to uh, being a go-between between the uh, the studio uh, tomorrow studio um, and Oda, um, since before even uh, writers were involved, um, like over a year before uh, writers were even involved. Mm. Um, so would that have that have been like with with Marty Adelstein? I remember he was you know immediately brought up as soon as they announced the the whole thing coming th together. Yes. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when, when they first, I, oh, and, and also just to, to preface this in, in general is, um, there are things that I have to be non-specific about, um, oh, which, which is, yeah. which is frustrating. Um, as a listener, I do apologize for that, but, um, I, I'm sure you can understand, um, that there is a, a level of, um, professionalism that I need to keep to it, um, mm -hmm. just due to contracts and whatnot. But, um, yes, uh, Marty Allestein was, was one of the first. And um, there's another fellow, um, he, he's actually in the credits, uh, Nick Louie. And uh, Nick is actually the, the man with the plan. Um, I mean, Marty Allestein is, is the one who makes everything happen. He's the one who says, go, and, and everybody, you know, on the production side, mm -hmm. goes, mm -hmm. works, does. Uh and you know he also he also knows the people in the industry, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, that's that's what his his job is. Um, however, the the person who was like One Piece is amazing, and we need to do this um, before even I was involved um, is this this Nick fellow. And um, Nick is is super One Piece savvy. I mean, we you, I can talk to him like I'm talking to basically anybody on the podcast. Um, and, uh, he, he works, um, with the production studio and, um, he got, he's the one who got everybody involved in it, knowledgeable about it, um, who, who made, you know, people fans of it, um, on the production side, um, writing side and Netflix side, com completely different story, um, different issues. I'm, I'm really not, um, uh, able to talk too much about the Netflix side, but more the production side, which I've worked with, mm -hmm. um, since the beginning, but, um. Uh, it turns out that he is, I, or he was, um, college roommates with, with one of my friends from Arlong Park, the forums, <laughs> the complete coincidence. Wow. And, wow. and he, that, that fellow actually lives over here in Japan and I, I'd known him and, and, and we've, you know, gone back and forth quite a bit. Uh, so, I mean, really, really weird triangle of, of relationship, hmm. um, there. But I mean, that's just this kind of the level of, of fan of, of, of this guy. But um, very cool. Uh, we had a lot of discussions at, at the early start, like who who we'd want to be, you know, for for certain roles. And a lot of it is is um, just fan talk because I don't make any of those decisions for casting or anything. But we do we do mm -hmm. float ideas. And um, in the early stages, it was kind of like what if or who and how, um, and then. 
uh, over time, like I said, uh, became more of like uh, translating uh, mm -hmm. was a part of it. I was never the the main translator. There was always um, a professional like who dealt with um, like Hollywood people who would come over and, and do translation services like for mm -hmm. Sylvester mm -hmm. Stallone and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, amazing and it, less translation um, more interpretation um, interpreters which which is very right. very different I don't know if anybody listening realized but translation and interpretation totally different mindsets yes, yes. Uh, very different arts but uh, I, I res have all the respect in the world for interpreters um, it is not yeah, not yeah. easy uh, and I think that's that's pretty much going through the okay. early stages the later stages responsibilities would have been uh, just but yeah, just before before you continue i, I do want to go back and and just f for people that may not have have realized or, or just kind of like the you know uh hollywood 101 or whatever is when you say production or tomorrow studios that's the company that actually did the work that they were the ones who made the show netflix is like the not the parent company but they're the ones who air the show but Netflix itself is not like involved in the day-to-day -day, like decision making of of how to make the show, right? Um. Yes and no. Um, oh, th yeah. The, it, it's true on on both sides. They they have a say. They have a word in how things should and could play out. Mm -hmm. Um. The same as the production studio, and also mm -hmm. uh, same as the writers. Um, they all have, and of, of course, <laughs> Shueisha and and yes, yeah. and uh, and Oda. Um, all of these factors uh, have a say in in mm. what happens and, and how things quote unquote should happen um, for the audience. And okay. be, it is because of that that this took six years. <laughs> or actually you know seven from from inception um uh six from from when i got involved um in 2017 right, because of course it it had to have been in motion for them to have announced it in 2017 yeah. there were some i i cannot i cannot say this but like there were some crazy like names like like names that that people know um who were involved who who, who wanted to be involved um mm. with with the production side and um, I've heard stories about some like like some like video was shot and like some like had major like production quality and um, by, mm. by these big names um, from Hollywood. And and um, tomorrow won with uh, with the heartfelt PowerPoint that included the uh, the X scene. So it's like, wow. yeah, yeah, Shueisha definitely knew what, what they were going for. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, like I said, a lot of that is, is thanks to the people on the team who have this deep, long, long seated passion for the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically production, as you said, though, um, they're the people who, who are like, we want this team to do this. We want this team to do this. Here's where we're going to do it. All right. Everybody's in position. Go. Um, yeah. that's, that's what they'll take care of. Okay. So you were saying, you were about to say, uh, more you know after the initial stages okay you know, what what changed after that point yeah so after um the initial stages and we started you know like oh this person's going to be the writer um and started looking at you know distributors uh such as netflix like netflix wasn't even in in the equation at the time um but um it was uh, looking at drafts 
and it's it's tough for me to get into drafts like just kind of speak broadly about it but like um normally you you don't as an advisor have access to to drafts um you you usually only start seeing things you know in, in um, later developed script stages but thanks to that um we were able to um discuss many ideas and and directions and motivations for the series and the characters um mm -hmm. that that helped ground them in in oda's world and um that was um quite a pleasure to be able to do um and uh was able to work very well uh with the team and um from there uh it was just a very long there was the majority of of that was was this stage back and forth about what this character would do what that what the character would do would how to portray this how to portray that and um that's that's basically what it was for years <laughs> without getting into specifics mm. um but it, it was very very um i would say in, in, intense in some some cases um mm -hmm. discussions about what what certain things meant to certain characters and how to portray them uh, that would be best understood and appreciated by a general audience and um, fans who've loved the series for a long time. And I think that that probably explains as much as anything, you know, why it's not like a normal movie where you're like, okay, here's, here's what our new characters are going to be. And here's you know here's the type of people we want to cast and then we're going to write it up and then boom here we go you know there's there's so much um in you know emotional and personal investment in who the characters are and how the story works and everything that you have to grapple with that you know yes i can easily imagine just getting everybody on the same page and agreeing how they should be handled is super important when you're adapting this you know this gigantic story it's not like any other type of production what's hilarious to me is that as you say you know getting everybody on the same page we're still not on the same page <laughs> there are still <laughs> there are still you know major um difference i mean respect for the series respect for the characters is in everybody's mind at the forefront of everybody's mm -hmm. mind but um you know how how we feel about this and this is this is i mean obviously true i mean when you're when you're writing a fanfic um you know you can have 100 people view the same character 100 different ways mm -hmm. um and and of course that is that is the case that is that's how it is we all we all have different things that we we feel about the characters we feel about oda's um world and stories um and and we want to make them stand out in certain ways now at the forefront of that is is and should always be Oda. You know what does what does he want? Mm -hmm. How does he want it portrayed and done? Uh, and I think they've been very good um, in the past few years about respecting um, his vision for it. Um, mm -hmm. Not and, that, and not, I and I, okay. I got the impression that he was pretty hands on. Like he you know he was not just content to sit there and say like okay interesting uh, go ahead make this thing. I think you know it sounded like he was very active in in offering feedback and and off, putting his opinion out there um, among the staff. <laughs> so there were um, not I think maybe maybe twenty four hours or so after I I put out the tweet and it was like I am the the One Piece uh, live action series advisor. Mm -hmm. There was somebody. Uh, 
some huckster out there who um who said uh who quote ret- retweeted that and said look proof that that oda wasn't involved <laughs> <laughs> it was just like what do you what how how i don't i, I don't know where, where is the the connection there but no um not the case at all uh oda has and again this is one of the things that like you know, Greg, you can't be specific about, you know, what Oda has and hasn't done or has and hasn't said, blah, blah, blah. And I'll absolutely maintain that and protect that. Um, mm. But I mean, if you're asking whether or not Oda was was deeply involved in this, oh my God, absolutely, 100%. Um, mm. No no question about it whatsoever. Oh my God, some people are like, Greg's in, in damage control. It's, there's no damage control. It's, it's Oda is deeply involved in this i mean he's he's at the table i've i've sat at the table with him having these discussions uh countless zoom uh discussions during corona and whatnot when you know we couldn't go back Mm -hmm. and forth um uh, tons and tons of work um put into the series so be rest assured um his involvement is is 100 percent. very cool it's nice to get that out there, you know, just because I think I think every, I think most people believed or they you know they had reason to think that yes, he he was offering, you know, his his feedback and his thoughts um at just about every step of the way, but you know, it's nice to have somebody just point out the the obvious that yes, that is the case. He was um I do involved. wish that I could get into specifics, but I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, that's but yes, totally fair. very deeply passionately involved in the project. <laughs> very cool um was was there anything else that you did that was like particularly interesting to to talk about or to to mention here uh i think really some of the some of the coolest work was was on the draft um you know going back forth because there are scenes um in in the show that are just like whoa that's that's like based off of my notes or like that's um, that mm. entire idea came from from a suggestion. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I I do feel comfortable um, saying that uh, even even uh, you know I I was able to consult Stephen on uh, on certain lines in the show. I'll, yes, and now that Greg has said it, I will admit, yes, he did ask me for for, for uh, my <laughs> thoughts on one or two things. Yeah, yeah, um, and and the show is is better for it um and it's reflected in the final material um which which is really important to me um you know that to to have that kind of impact on the show and that um even though i I can't get into specifics that you know someone like steven who understands the characters um far better than i do um in in what they say and has has a much better understanding of of uh the nuance in, in what they say and how to portray it um because of his knowledge uh, as a translator uh, who's been working with these characters for two, over two decades um mm. uh to be able you know to to work with him and you know not not that i was like hey let me divulge the secrets of the series but like hey look at this line like how how do we do this this, this mm. line that makes this character um in english how do we how do we do this in a, in a way that that makes sense and doesn't sound corny uh, and I think, I think what what you came up with and and what I was able to submit, uh, whew, I I think it, it 
it absolutely was was the best possible iteration of of what could have happened and looking at at fan responses to that part in particular um seems to have mm. been the correct choice so i'm i'm really ha- wow. thank you for uh for uh being there for me for that it's uh, yeah i mean it was it was kind of a rush uh you know it was just like quick give me an idea <laughs> i was just like uh but um you know it's uh yeah, it's 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 good to know that it helped. That's that's the main thing. Um, whether whether or not you know whatever I said, I don't even remember what I said. But uh, you know, you you would uh, let me know that it was um, that it did come in handy. So um, that's it's it's good to know that that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you have any other any last thoughts before we get into fan questions. You did, you know, since you mentioned that. Um, publicly we did get lots of of good questions we've had a stockpile and um so we we were definitely intending to focus on the fan questions uh this time around and so we'll we will definitely get some more um fan questions about working on the the live action in general so uh, any last general thoughts before we uh, get into answering stuff yeah, let's um let's just move along to the questions because the more I talk um kind of free talk, the more I'm I'm willing likely to get myself in trouble. So Okay. All right, um. good good like good thinking there. Um all right. So yeah, as we said, it has been a little while since um we uh we did the uh the fan questions. It's been a little while since we just recorded in general. Um so uh, I am gonna start with the um Patreon section on our Discord. Um, for patrons that's our little sgs channel um and so i am going to go back we'll try to do these uh briefly just because you know i I do think that you know the timing being what it is um people are probably most interested in the live action questions but i do want to um um to to not have these older questions be forgotten so yeah um, let's see how quickly we can um, we can get through these um i believe the first one here, okay, this is July 4th, which I believe is just after our last one came out. So I will start here with uh, Narthon, who says, uh, Good morning. Can anyone explain the hard-boiled thing? I've started reading Sakamoto Days, which is another jump series, and it comes up frequently. I first hmm. saw it with Senior Pink, of course. Is it just related to noir detective characters and how they act? Thank you. Um, Hard-boiled... I mean, that's a, you know, that's a term in English, like it is not an, an unknown uh, thing, but I would say that I, I do think it has a very specific connotation in Japanese because they, you know, it, it is literally, they, they say hard boiled, you know, it is a, it is a loan word. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much what you said. It, it is related to noir, it, it is related to a certain type of, attitude or presentation um kind of the devil may care yeah yeah noir in the sense of like being like oh it's a it's a you know cold dark world and i'm just trying to get by and and you know guys who um spend their their uh their evenings in smoky bars taking drinks and and you know uh dealing with dames and stuff like that that's it that is very much the stereotype that um that Japan um, uh, uses that that term for hard boiled. That's um, that's pretty so, much it in a nutshell. Um, yeah, it's like uh, it, it's tough guys who 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 don't have a care in the world, um, you know, about anything about than than what's what's right and 
you know, they might be anti-hero, right? Um, mm -hmm. But like they have a code and uh, they live yes. by that code and they don't give a crap what anybody else thinks about that code. You know, um, they just, they do it. It's who they are. Um, yeah. And that's... And if, and if they break the code, then it, it has tragic consequences and they realize, oh, that's where I made my mistake. I never should have trusted her. Or, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah. That's... But like you said, it is it is a con, it is a loan word, so that it's mm -hmm. kind of you know weird weird to say. Whoa, how the boy do though? Yeah, and uh, because I because it's, it's a loan of, word, it's it's, it's it, old, it, isn't it? It's it's kind of you know, it's not oh like, yeah, well yeah. Noir noir novels are from like the forties, like uh, you know the Philip Marlowe um, books. That's that's where that the thirties and forties. Um, but I think also because it's a loan word, it it only means this specific thing in Japanese. Whereas in English, you're like, oh, like like hard boiled eggs. Like, you know, you have to understand from context that that's what you're talking about. In Japan, that's the, that's the only thing that, that hard boiled means is these cool guys. I'm, I'm pretty sure they they closely associate it with like the toughness that you see in the literal Chow Yun-Fat movie, Hard Boiled. I mean, I think that's where <laughs> a lot of it comes sure. from. So. Sure, it could, could very well be, yeah um our next comment okay so i believe we we were talking about we we answered a question about rakugo um last time because we were talking about akane banashi and and oda's interest in rakugo and stuff and you had said something so here pongzilla uh attached a video here which of course you can't see on this podcast but it is of diane kichijitsu who is the rakugo performer greg mentioned from the fifth grade textbook uh she is a british woman who lives in osaka it's really impressive that as a foreigner and woman, she is so popular. I wanted to post a pic from the textbook, but I'm afraid of Japanese copyright laws. Uh, well, you're safe here because we can't we can't put post it anyways. Audio format. So uh, yes, Diane Kichijitsu. Um, I believe that is the the person you mentioned in your your textbook. Yes, yes, um, that is correct. Yes, I, I that's right. I remember she has the uh, the, the first name. And she she kept her first name and and uh, um, as her performing name and uh, and took on a, mm. a a last I don't know if it's her her married name or a performing name you know they often performers oh, yeah. here take on uh, names that's um, right but uh, but yes yes that does sound familiar and that's definitely her cool yeah all right there you go Diane Kichijitsu so check her out I'm sure you can find her on uh, YouTube. Um, all right, well, moving on. Uh, next, King of the Kingdom of Denial says, Ahoy, Stephen and Greg, do you have any theories of your own about the origins of Zunisha, their connection to Joy Boy, and how they came to be bound to wandering the sea? Oh, boy. Uh, this is this is something I discussed, uh, pro I don't know, probably with the podcast. Um, in, I think you did. In yeah. depth, uh, like y years ago. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, basically my idea was that there, there was, or, and, or is a herd of, uh, elephants mm. like Zanisha. Sure, sure. They wandered the world, um, due to their legs, um, being, you know, uh, rearing up or whatnot, or how, you know, I'm not entirely sure how, how it could be done, but, um, they do have legs that seem long enough to accomplish the task of possibly, um, standing atop and then crossing red line um, where they, mm. if they were to rear up on their back legs. Um, uh, I am not entirely, you know, 
certain if Oda wants to go that route or not. But like, um, if that's the case, then um, the shadow that we see in Thriller at the end of Thriller Bark uh, actually lines up perfectly mm. with the legs of Zunisha <laughs> um, that we when we first see Zoe. So uh, either that or it, you, you can look at it as a separate shadows, as many people do. Um, instead mm-hmm. of um, a perspective, but uh, that's right. That, I, I remember you talking about that. That's yeah. been a, a pet theory of yours. Basically, I I, I do believe that um, uh, they were kind of I don't know maybe maybe pets or um, um, you know uh, animal companions animal companions uh, of Joy Boy. Like um, you know it'd be uh, interesting if if I think Joy Boy rode it at at one point or you know mm-hmm. was able to you know, expand. Um, you know, his body to, to the extent where he would actually be a, a proper rider for it. Um, mm-hmm. Being from a quote unquote giant kingdom, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's quite detailed. We could talk about this for like literally a half an hour. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that that's a good catch up um, for, for people that, that aren't familiar with some of my thoughts on, on Zunisha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if I necessarily. I, I think there's enough kind of circumstantial evidence to to work with this uh, with this, what I'm about to say. Um, but I, I know some people have have mentioned this because it's it's popping into my head. Of uh, give, given the recent chapters um, referring to uh, not just Zunisha but also to um, uh, finding out about uh, Nefertari uh, Lily um, and and some of the uh, I guess like e- echoes or the um the similarities between Lily's story you know of of making a mistake uh, supposedly as uh, as Emu said and Zunisha's claim that they that she made a mistake or that he made a mistake um and so that there are possibly parallels there that I, I don't know it sounded like like maybe uh Zunisha was Lily like transformed like as as though it, that was like a punishment or something uh, I'm not sure that's there's a lot that would have to go in between there to explain how that would happen. But, um, you know, it does seem like there's some a me- measure of resonance between between those things, which I, I guess I, I will be curious to to watch out for. That's interesting more info. that you, you bring up the uh, the mistake um, because mm-hmm. I, I'd forgotten to address that. But like that's mm. that in and of itself. The moment I read that, I was like, OK, Oda tragedy. Um, coming in three to you know however many years, but mm. um, yeah. yes, that mistake is is what what is it going to be based on? Um, it's probably related to to uh, Joy Boy, correct? I mean, I mean that's that's pretty much a given in some f- shape or form. It's related to Joy Boy, and we also have Joy mm. Boy apologizing via the Poneglyph. So somebody has betrayed mm. somebody, or somebody lied right. to somebody, and it put probably Joy Boy in a position. Um, to put Zunisha in a position that that uh, it could be very very sad um, in terms of destruction mm. in in terms of you know who oh um, I mean I don't want to say that like you know Joy Boy set Zunisha on a path of destruction um, mm. but it it seems to be I mean if he's if he's taking you know the the opportunity of the the poneglyph the right. to, to to say that to say I'm sorry. Um, it was probably yes. something devastating um, that he and possibly uh, Zunisha enacted uh, together. 
um, mm-hmm. perhaps mistakenly, perhaps knowingly, perhaps having, you know, false information um, that was planted similar to a Sakazuki kind of uh, plot, you know, oh, you know, he's, he's actually betraying you the entire time he's what's trying to defend Ace, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I do believe we're in store for something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It, it seems very likely at this point. Um, all right, here we go. What, what did we just say about um, hard-boiled? We have a, uh, a response to the previous uh, question about hard-boiled from Usopp the Great, who says, think if American film noir and Hong Kong police films had a baby with an IMDb link to 1992's John Woo film Hard-Boiled starring Chow Yun-Fat. Boom. There you go. All right. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Reading my mind from last yes. month. That's right. Good yeah. on you. <laughs> okay uh, next question sheep man says howdy sgs i constantly think about what will be discovered on laugh tale and more specifically the straw hats reactions uh, Rayleigh stated that they might find a different answer than they had found on roger's trip there as we all found out during the oden flashback they laughed in that iconic chapter whatever is discovered i believe luffy and the crew won't laugh different answer due to knowing the full ramifications the world may face due to being present for them versus Roger and his crew being too early to be able to do anything about them. Uh, any thoughts about that? Wow. Good question. Hmm. I cannot see Oda avoiding the opportunity to draw various emotions on, on the crew members Mm-hmm. Um, depending on on what it means to each of them, mm-hmm. like like I can see Luffy, for example, just for example, I could see Luffy laughing his 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 heart out, uh, sure. Frankie crying, uh, mm-hmm. Na- Nami, um, possibly you know crying as well, um, uh, Sanji kind of doing that that great like Sanji like wide open eyed. A cigarette like half dangling out of the mouth kind of look <laughs> yeah um zoro looking exactly like zoro from any other chapter um <laughs> uh basically basically how could he how could he draw the straw hats in, in a in a interesting way um that doesn't necessarily need to be exactly the same as roger um because you, you think about it roger laughed right and we don't know mm-hmm. that that shanks's reaction of of tears we don't know that that's necessarily to whatever roger saw um mm. but it it does tell us that there could be a myriad of reactions depending on what it means to the person at the time and and what they yeah. know about the world that's that's basically what it is, is how much do you know about the world at that point and and what does it mean to the people who who found it um because what were they hoping for? What what did they want? What did what did Shanks want out of it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's it's just a general kind of pattern of of Oda's that unless he's doing like an extreme like sort of gag reaction where like people's eyes are bugging out, whenever he has a big moment where there are many characters present like he you always know he's going to find some way to vary he doesn't want to just draw everyone with the exact same expression on their face um he's going to find some way to 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 vary it up and to you know to to give you kind of multiple angles of of how you know how someone might feel about what they're seeing so um I, i i definitely agree that 
that that's that's probably pretty likely that we'll see you know different reactions from different straw hats um interesting question i like that one uh enzel says hey sgs a big fan of all the insight this segment provides i know you've both talked a lot about learning japanese and the process for that but i had a different question uh, how how would you recommend someone who hopes to one day visit japan prepare for the trip are there any resources things with language barriers for an english speaker places that you must go especially as a big op fan etc that you could comment on sorry i know that's a broad question but i thought this was a good place to start asking thanks again and keep up the great work luckily we can both field this one um i'm sure with different very different perspectives but probably yeah. um since this is so broad um i i will try just to give a a a, a concise broad answer um i mean if there's any you know detailed mm -hmm. questions of, of course you know we can we can go into that um but in the interest of time um mm -hmm. my advice would be to wow because i've never come out i've never come here without uh, language so mine would be more in, in entertainment and what to see um, right, right. Boy, I would I would try to I mean experience the cities um, as possible. You know, if, since you'd be coming into a larger city, I'm sure. Um, mm. uh, experience the city, but do know that that is not quote unquote real Japan. Um, mm -hmm. That is not how. If if not population wise, that is that is not how um, area wise how most of the country lives. Yeah. Um, see the the countryside um, make time to go to temples that are in the middle of nowhere um, mm. look for for temples that have history temples that are famous um, and are, are located off the track uh, off the the beaten path and in order to do that and this is probably the the best like i don't know uh, catch-all kind of advice is get the jr rail pass um, mm. without question, it is invaluable to, to people who are traveling here. Um, it is basically a rail pass that you carry around as a, as a tourist and you, mm. you get, um, for all Japan rail, uh, trains and there are non-Japan rail trains. So please be careful of that on, on local trains and whatnot. Um, but for like the bullet train and whatnot, you, you, you get to ride the bullet train as many times as you like, as long as you, you know, reserve your seat. Um, mm -hmm. it's unlimited. And given that the bullet train is kind of like riding an airplane on the ground, um, it's super useful. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, definitely look into, uh, obtaining or saving up for however, you know, you need to, uh, the JR rail pass, um, that is invaluable for, for tourists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To, to go back to, you know, what you said about like the, the I guess not the, not the true, you know, the 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 average kind of um, area of Japan that that it's not everything is not just Tokyo, um, but it, it is very true that while there are there are definitely people who are like true Tokyo natives where their family they've lived there for generations, um, it's a very 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 common experience in Japan that people's families like they grew up in some rural area and then you move to Tokyo because that's where you know, all the jobs, that's where all the central, you know, stuff is. And, you know, you live in one of these big metropolis areas. Um, but 
it is such a common thing that everybody has the you know they have the folks back home you, you know it's it's sort of like um you know if you live in la or new york but you're from the midwest or you're from the south or something like that and you fly back to your parents you know that's that that's a very very common um experience for for japanese people and so i think yeah be, being able to to see some rural areas would be um a very very different experience from um from just staying in tokyo yeah um just hanging around the uh, the busiest areas and if i guess um, in the future you know for this segment if there are any specific questions like what about this mm -hmm. place or this place you know or, or that if i want to see a castle where should i go blah 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 Oh yeah. Uh, please do feel That's... free to add because I could talk for hours about that stuff, but I mean Yeah, Greg Greg would know better than me, but <laughs> um I would assume, I mean everybody who goes to the Mugiwara store loves it. if you know, if you want to see One Piece stuff, um I feel like that's kind of a no-brainer. Mugiwara um, store is definitely an easy one these because they're yeah. they're pretty much settled in where they are, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Um I don't know, I as far as like language resources, I I really don't no, unfortunately, it, there, there's probably people who do this sort of trip regularly who aren't fluent and they probably have like specific resources like, I don't know if there are particular apps or like websites that that focus on this stuff. Because I, I imagine, especially compared to when we were learning in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, um, that the the Internet resources for specifically for people who want to visit Japan have to be so much richer than than anything that we had back in the day um as far as like stuff that is very specific to you know the the act of um of going over there as a tourist yeah um I agree <laughs> yeah. and um i don't know i i guess i what did i see a couple of years ago somebody showed me a device that was just like they hovered their phone over a menu and it just changed everything to english and i was right. just like oh, right. fuck you technology <laughs> yeah i mean that's you know in in spirit that's the that's the same type of technology that that creates all of those hilarious um you know like english uh sort of like chinese food menus that have bizarre translations so uh you never know quite know what you're going to get but uh, i would hope that at least some of them are are better now yeah. than they used to be um, let's move on to King Doji, who says, hello, Stephen and Greg. What do you guys think of the Seraphim and the satellites? I should point out, this is from July 27th, so this is still uh, several weeks ago. Uh, how independent slash autonomous are they? How much of what we've seen of them is Vegapunk? And how much is their own personality that they've developed? What does destroying them mean as far as murder? Do you think Vegapunk stays in punk records because he too lives in fear of what he's created? Uh, and that is a... Is that Spy Kids? I think that is the uh, that's the Steve Buscemi line from uh, from Spy Kids about God living in fear of what he created. Oh. Anyways, um, are these it, I, it's I, Seraphim or, or or satellites? Because they're I guess he's talking about both, but I think he maybe means Stella and the satellites. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. All right. Uh, in terms of murdering them, that's a really really good. Uh, question because this was raised in, in high school and I don't even know if you could, you could talk about this in high school these days because it's it's so you know touchy a subject but like um, our, our biology teacher at the time uh, you know raised the question is like if you have a clone mm. um, can you can you harvest parts of that clone for yourself mm -hmm. and um, her argument for it 
was yes, because it's you um, and it's over there and you, you need part of you. So you have the right to say that you want this. Now, that's, that is, whether I agree with that or not, um, mm -hmm. it, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole um, because that is a loaded <laughs> conversation. Um, but uh, it, is an, it is an interesting and scary question. Is, you know, the, these are not exactly clones of Vegapunk, but they are aspects of him. Um, mm -hmm. So to murder one of them um, does, I mean, we, we are led to believe at this point that uh, York has, has murdered um shaka i believe so mm, what yeah. what does that you know what does that say are you are, can you can you quell your emotions can you quell a part of who you are um and does that does that mean that the stella is is lacking that or was it simply an extension of that um, i don't think it means that he's lacking it honestly i i do believe that that um he he extended aspects of his personality yes. and we didn't see like some sort of like magical whoop scene after shaka died where it was like oh i'm i'm now just again you know um right right uh, we didn't get yeah any no of that. I, I i view them as like they they are like supplemental extensions of those parts of his personality but it doesn't seem like i i don't think that they're like literally a part of him um yeah in in the sense of being like truly synchronized um with his personality um they're you know like like the the whole premise of them was it was the the neko neko no temo karitai is the you know i want the you want anyone you can help every assistant he can possibly have who can do the same things he can so he created these and you know for for whatever reason had each of them ex be an accentuated part uh, a facet of a different uh, part of his personality so yeah I, um, I think they're USB sticks, basically. I think they're copy paste yeah. of part of his personality into right, a right. into a capable body. Yeah. the The more interesting question, or the nuanced question, I guess, would be like: Do they develop other traits on their uh, independently um, after having been, you know, off uh, uh, ha after having been offshot or being an offshoot of his his mind? So, like, you know, did 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 Shaka have certain experiences or like develop certain parts of of his of, of an individual personality that made him um or her you know i think or her yeah i guess yeah. well i thought they i i thought that they were um clear about shaka at least but um yeah the the different facets of of his person of vegapunk's personality um do do, do they exist as independent uh beings you know that that gets back to the clone uh question i guess of of you know do they have true personhood or not um but it, it doesn't see at least not yet uh, oda has not really like delved too deep into that and I, I honestly don't know if he will or not i think i feel like this is more likely to end up as a storyline or a story element that he throws in because it's a fun like sort of sci-fi trope and uh, you know, sort of a little bit of a little bit of a cyberpunk sort of thing of, of uh, you know, brain brain clones and and stuff like that without necessarily digging a hundred percent into all of the moral quandaries that surround it. I, I don't know if you have. Thoughts. I might have to disagree with that to a degree. Um, while I, I certainly see the, the the logic in that, and and it's very clear in the series you know, how we're progressing. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, oh man, with York wanting to be an actual celestial dragon, um, mm-hmm. that that to me suggests uh, the development of an of an individual, of an individual. Because you don't of, think of that nutrient. Vegapunk would have done that. I do not think that Vegapunk would have done it. And I and mm-hmm. I, let me put it this way: is um, do I want to be rich? Yes. Um, am I willing to rob a bank to be rich? No. But if you put that want and desire of mine into its own little shell and you send it off into the world, it may without the other aspects without that the other aspects, it not to go. Yeah, it it That's may true. be able to to develop that that want to, um, if then kind of basically yes, if I can get rich, then I must rob a bank. Um, which is a, a conclusion that I would not draw. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I do think that he is creating, he's demonstrating the moral hazard of Vegapunk's decision to 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 do this. You know, to use his incredible intellect to, you know, for for a a a, a utility you know, a utilitarian purpose, you know, of having more people who around who can do his job to help him be more efficient at what he does. He is also kind of, um, he's, he's unleashing certain forces into the world that he is perhaps not entirely capable of handling on his own. Um, which is fun, fun to consider. I mean, we're still, you know, we're, we, we still have some more of Egghead to go. So mm. there's certainly room for Oda to, um, to elaborate more on this, um, this sort of stuff. Um, we're just kind of preoccupied with all of the, um, the, the combat and the excitement right now. Um, good question though. Yeah. Uh, Danny for Seraphim writes says, hello SGS. Since Luffy gained a power up with his observation hockey in whole cake Island, and he awakened his devil fruit and leveled up his armament and conqueror's hockey in Wano. I think the next power or ability Luffy will have to improve or focus on is probably the voice of all things. Any predictions on how this will go? And alternatively, do you have any thoughts about what the ability even is? Oh boy. Oh yeah, that's another big one. Oh boy. This one probably for a good wow. Seven seven or Seven or so years, I think since uh, since probably Zoe, I've been um, I've been big on this one. But uh, mm-hmm. um, just again, I'll briefly summarize this for anyone who who isn't familiar with my thoughts. Uh, I do believe that there is uh, essentially a a life stream uh, in this world, uh, and life stream being a, a theme from Final Fantasy VII. Which is basically <laughs> the the force from Star Wars, um, you, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is that you know all life is is united and it, it, it works in a cycle. Um, even if it isn't cyclic, then then you know at, at least it is is united in this thing that is is part of part of existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that if you have anything like future sight um, in a series, like you can just make it be this magical thing. Um, there is not much that's just plain magic in One Piece. Yes, there there are things that are, but um, Oda usually explains some of some of uh, most of what he does. And this sounds absurd because you know you have all these comical things going on, and you have to say what is what is he doing to be funny in the moment, and what what sure, is actually sure. like realistically part of this world. Um, mm. And 
people are going to quote me on this and say, oh, Greg thinks that, you know, every, everything has to be completely realistic in the world. Well, what about this? What about this specific example? We can, we can talk about that all day. But at the end of the day, it's, um, he likes to have explanations for many things. And to put observation hockey out there um, as just this kind of thing that, that poof, he can do, um, it doesn't not sit well with me, but it, it, it gives me the idea that there's something more in this world. Um, and, mm. and for there to be a truly fulfilling end to this series, um, I do believe that a lot of the characters need to come to terms with the trauma um, that they've experienced as, as children. And really the only way to do that for, for many of them is to, <clears throat> is to have some, some way of, of, of setting things either right or, or settling things with the people that they respected as, as children, uh, yeah. or, or even, uh, as, you know, uh, young adults, uh, with, with Luffy and Ace. Um, it's not 100% necessary. It's not required for the story. Um, there are people who will argue that that would cheapen this or that. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I also believe it would be cathartic if by the end of the story, whatever this, whatever I believe to be this, this force is, is accessible by, by Luffy. Uh, mm. and, po- and he could be a, possibly a, uh, a conduit for it. Conduit. Yeah. Um, to, to reach people. Um, I expected something like this to happen at the end of Wano. It very much did not. But how mm. things were left at Wano, my God, um, it really primes you for for it. Um, outside the, the Straw Hat crew, you know, one last chance for um, Toko to, you know, mm. um, was it Toko? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Toko to, to see your father? Toko to see your father. Yeah. Um, I was, I was like, wait a minute, is he your father? No, he's not, but, but or, yes, yeah, he is your father. Father figure. Father figure. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it would be quite poignant, um, if, if, if that's what it is. And I do agree. I, I do agree that, that, um, the next thing for him to kind of strengthen would be that, but does he go the same route as Momonosuke or not? That I, I can't exactly say. I don't know. Um, Momonosuke may always have to be Momonosuke at what he does. Um, I don't think Luffy gaining that specific power would be, well, I, I can't say that. I can't say it wouldn't be interesting, but it would be a little bit perhaps OP for the character, but going a different route yeah. and, and linking all of, all of this life back to, to everyone, I think to me would be interesting, which is the short version. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is obviously this is kind of like very big picture and, you know, end game, like emotional climax uh, sort of stuff that we're uh, hi- hypothesizing here um but uh yes I, I do believe we've we've discussed the, that sort of thing before um Vinny c uh doc feel bad has a, this is a very interesting question um sorry if you've gotten this before but it's something i've been wondering for a while now that we know the name of the final island is laugh tale and not raftel how would you approach this if you were to start translating the series from scratch? Personally, I'm a big fan of the ambiguity of the name Raftel and finding out that it was Laftail was such a eureka moment. And that's something I fear would be lost if we were to get a sort of One Piece Kai or a retranslation of earlier material. Really interested to hear what you guys think. Um, yeah, this is I, this is something that it, it was brought up, you know, when, when we first learned that as well and it's definitely something that i've thought about you know i've pondered before of like what what would you do um if you know if there if there was a retranslation or if you know you had a chance to to do it all over from the beginning 
um, how would you, you know, do you recreate that, that effect of that, that kind of epiphany of like, oh, that's what it's supposed to be. Or, you know, do you just start from Laugh Tale at the beginning? And I don't know, I don't know that there's a right answer, you know? Um, oh boy. Jeez. I, Oh, cheese and crackers. This is this is hard because um, what Oda chose in the katakana for the name was not the equivalent of laugh tale, right? So I I'm of the I I would I would for me what I would in a perfect world. I would, and, and, you know, we've had the same thing with, with, with like Gold Roger and whatnot. It's, um, I would write Raftel. Me, if it was up to me, mm. if it was up to me, I would write Raftel. And then when Laftel is finally written out, um, above it, similar to how it's done in Japanese with, you know, like, like actual pronunciation is this, I would write above the large font mm. Laftel, Raftel, um, for that reveal. Mm. I think that's that's how I would handle it, um, but or, I'm, or maybe, I'm it's lucky that I'm not in charge of anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I guess the, my my twist on that would be like instead of Raftel specifically, I would make it uh, phonetically identical. So you know, maybe like L A F T E I L ah, or something like that. Elegant. So it's still it's still Laftel. It's still the same sound, but. But then it's, uh, but then yeah, you get the, you you get it parsed out for you where it's like actually saying here, this is what it actually was supposed to mean. That, um, that's even far more elegant. I I, I go with that. My idea the, is the bad. thing is, the the thing is like that. It's interesting to consider that and to be like, okay, well, how do we, you know, how do we recreate this kind of linguistic puzzle, if you will. Um, from you know in in starting over um but of course in like more practical terms like that that bell's been rung you know the cat is out of the bag it's it's not you can never surprise you might be able to like surprise individual readers if they are following along the series in a vacuum and you know they're they're just picking it up like okay hey i just finished the one piece netflix let me let me get my uh my my shonen jump subscription and i'm just gonna go through the vault and read all the chapters and and um you know then the laugh tale reveal oh my god it blew my mind but anyone who it's you know it's like it's it's like ace's story you know anyone who for five seconds looks at the internet uh, or looks it up is going to find out the truth um or find out the answer and um so like in terms of the collective memory of the uh the readership of the fan base um you can't you know you can't get a do-over on that um so i i do think that like for some people it just is it will never matter how you would you would retranslate it because they already know it's just um it's just a known fact um but uh you know in terms of like trying to recreate the same circumstances you know yeah there, there might be ways you could you could do that you could do right by it i guess um but it is always really it is always really hard like sometimes i wonder you know when when people ask hypothetical questions like that like well what if they what if they remade 
like the the original Star Wars trilogy or something like would you take out all the weird like inconsistencies between uh the movies would you would you remove um like uh Luke and Leia making out uh because it's actually really creepy in retrospect <laughs> you know <laughs> all these all these things that you didn't necessarily know are going to be a, a sticking point um back when you did them um but uh you know once once you commit to to going back and starting over redoing things then all of a sudden you have to question whether or not you should do them or not um yeah lots of lots of tough questions and and not necessarily with like obvious answers or or even like fully correct answers um there's always there's always a possibility of of things that are unintended consequences good question yeah good question okay this one is a very different uh question big mike has a uh, a picture I, I know you have seen this uh this the uh, picture for yourself um it may be the actual thing it is a picture of the shark toilet um from oda's house and the question is greg have you ever pooped in oda's shark toilet and steven would you if you had the opportunity pooped um, well for me absolutely yes if i had the opportunity uh not pooped <laughs> i'll leave Great it at answer. that okay wow um, this actually reminds me. This is a little, a little sidebar. Um, you know, leading up to the um, uh, the Netflix uh, series, there they did a lot of promotional videos and things um, with uh, you know get, getting people hyped up for it. And one of the most notable ones, I think, was that little video that they had of Oda and Inyaki um, hanging out and uh, and having this very um, touching conversation in. Oda's studio. What did you What did you think of that? I mean, I don't know. Is that Is that like old hat now? Of like, hey, we're gonna film Oda in his studio talking to people, um, or is that Was that like, wow, I can't believe you did that. I mean, <laughs> I was there, so um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so it it hits a little Just bit all different. The here. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, to to be able to you know see that experience that. Um, see the the mm. honest wonder um, in his eyes uh, was was uh, a a great moment. I mean, um, just just a great. It's a great moment. It's a um. I believe it's what we call wholesome these days. It's yes. a wholesome moment mm -hmm. um, to be able to see that. Just makes your heart happy. Yeah. All right, uh, professional Poyo. We're getting closer now. Here, this, is, this one is August twelfth. Uh, professional Poyo says, "Hey SGS, I've been recently thinking about the story dynamic between Luffy and Akainu. Obviously, Luffy doesn't like him, but it doesn't seem like Luffy is seeking revenge for Ace's death, like we would see in other shonen series. Uh, even Luffy acting blindly vengeful seems like it would be out of character for him. It doesn't even seem like Oda has been building up Luffy and Akainu clashing very much, if at all." So do you think their battle is a necessity for the series or is it just something fans have been hyping themselves up for years? Wow. With what great questions. Um, uh, I tend to disagree. Uh, I think that the more Oda steers us away from something, uh, the more he intends to, to perhaps deliver on it. Now, mm. if this is going to be the Titanic end all battle um, between Luffy and Sakazuki, no, uh, I I don't think that, but I do think that there, 
uh, has to be for dramatic purposes, for story storytelling mm-hmm. purposes. There has to be a confrontation of some of some sort, um, and a a reckoning of some sort. Um, a, you are absolutely correct on the revenge thing. Uh, yeah. The only thing where I've seen Luffy possibly get a flare of of vengeance in his eyes was when he met uh, Blackbeard in Impel Down. Um, that mm. was a slightly different form of Luffy that we've seen. He he was pissed um, at Blackbeard for for something um, that that had no relation to him him directly, his body, his bodily harm, uh, his bodily right. safety, etc. Um, Luffy often gets angry on on the behalf of others, but I mean this is this is beyond townspeople. This is family to him. Yes. Um, yes. So it, it's it's basic. It's if you can. Think of it this way: It's almost as, it, it, oh God, is it worse or, or equivalent to uh, somebody like um, doing this to one of the crew? Not murdering, but like like sending to jail as he did to Ace, like one of the crew. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that the story demands that there be a confrontation between the two, and because Luffy isn't, he just he doesn't talk about this stuff. He's not like I got to get revenge, but if right. he's ever confronted with him. Uh, I think that that his eyes might, uh, you know, light up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and and it's like like what you said about his reaction to Blackbeard, where it was a very different Luffy, and that's a very different Luffy from who we see today. You know, two years later, he's he's made peace with that in in, in a certain sense. A certain you know, sense. like he's he's moved on from from that moment, and I think he's grown uh, after it, but. Yeah, like you said, I, I do think that in in the moment of confrontation, I, I would expect to see um, some kind of, of particular reaction to Luffy um, in, in terms of, um, you know, remembering Ace and, and remembering uh, what what happened between them. They, um, I, yeah, I don't see rage so much as I do is um, at this point in his, no. in his life is just a we're here because of you. Um and mm-hmm. and I'm not going to let you get away with it again. Or, you know, yes, you know. resolution. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's kind of interesting too. It's they're not the same thing, and he certainly doesn't have the same relationship. But it is, you know, it, it is interesting to see Luffy. You know, at this moment, as as we're recording this, um, you know, facing off against uh, Kizaru, um, and and that being. You know, it's not a grudge match, but it's you know they it is a rematch of sorts um, where we're we're going to be sort of comparing how things went two years ago to uh, how they go today. Oh my and, god! Um, I mean, the, you know, the, see, the framing it just is, is yeah. It, it's it's not one for one, obviously, but it right. does call to mind the the rally kick. And if yeah. if you look at the sound effects, the rally the rally kick was done. And Luffy's kick here is Zedong. Um mm-hmm. and you know, he said it's it's not a coincidence that he says we're a hundred times stronger because back on um Shabondi, right. um Shaki, Shaki was mm-hmm. the one who was like, uh that guy's a hundred really? times stronger than yeah. you. And you know, talking about Rayleigh. And it's just, oh and my Rayleigh god. Blocked <laughs> he's out of his kick, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's very cool stuff, and and obviously, I think just in terms of general story presentation or, or framing, that okay, if Luffy 
comes out of this looking pretty good against Kizaru, then then you know the next question would be okay well and now Akainu like uh he's he's ready he's he's um uh, prepared for for that moment um but it certainly plot wise it doesn't seem like that's particularly close um no nope. uh, Akainu's got <laughs> Akainu's got to have an excuse to um to go out into the field again because yeah. he's been stuck behind the desk it needs to be another marine for level at least because that was the, yeah. the first time we saw sengoku actually get out and get his feet dirty mm-hmm. his hands dirty yes and so maybe maybe we'll get that after uh whatever the uh the egghead incident um turns out to be uh okay uh september 2nd so here we go now we have our first question um about the live action uh this comes from slayer king who says, uh, this This question is a spoiler for the live action of One Piece from episode four. Greg, how are you feeling now that they killed your character, Mary, off, unlike in the manga and the anime? Do you think if the series does well, they may bring you back in season two? Maybe as Hero Look or someone from the Kicking Claw Force. Thanks. <laughs> God. You know what? This became a thing at, at uh-huh. the office in, in work. Oh, no. Um, it was just, everybody, I, I get like memes and they're That's like, tease Greg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, some, I, oh my God, I wish I could repost it. It's a Facebook video, so I can't like save it or anything. But mm. one of my coworkers just like filmed himself just like, like with the screen, obvious, obviously not well filmed at all, like poorly filmed, the screen's moving all uh-huh. around and it's just, just looking at the screen and it's Mary and he's like, oh no, Greg, Get out of there. Greg, get out of there. No, no, Greg. <laughs> you guys the worst. Uh, <laughs> yes. If yes. you We've don't all know had what we're fun. talking about, there was, there was this big yeah. thing. Not, I don't know if it was big, but there was, there was a thing where people thought that I was Mary. I think some YouTuber like, went off, went off some, some rapidly drawn conclusions that, mm-hmm. that I was playing Mary in the live action and it kind of got spread that way, um, and there, mm-hmm. there is a resemblance, um, you know, in mm-hmm. in the trailer. You and people when they saw the live action, they saw the 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 actual um, actor close up. They're like, oh my god, it, it doesn't look like you at all. And I'm like, yeah. it, it, you know, the, I see the resemblance. I see the eyes and you know, some of the facial structure. But he's he's a much older gentleman, mm-hmm. uh, and that is most definitely not me. <laughs> all right, you heard it here. Um, all right, our, our last question on the disc piece here um, is from 36NLs on the moon, who says, hey, SGS, hope you're doing well. In uh, One Piece live action, it seems like the writers really used their benefit of hindsight, already knowing what's going to happen in the series a thousand chapters down the line, let them add some really interesting foreshadowing and setups. Were there any additions that you really liked? Um, I don't know if that's something you feel yeah. uh, good about answering. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. There's, um, and this is, this is one of the things that's, um, you know, one of one of my notes, um, that you know came out to to be something. But uh, have you noticed the the very ending of of the uh, of the um, the season one? And I don't mean the uh, the kind of stinger there. Um, with um, spoiler spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the series and what happens at the very very end before the credits roll. You've been warned. You've been warned again. Mm. All right. Um, we see Smoker, um, you know, in, mm. in, in sitting as this. But right before that, um, do you notice how the the camera pans out and what it pans out over is 
you see the ocean, obviously. Um, but mm -hmm. very specifically, we are heading into the what? We are heading into the sun. So if you know anything mm -hmm. about Luffy and what that means for him, um, it's deliberate mm -hmm. that we are ending the series on a positive note, uh, heading into the into the sun uh, as our wow. future. That is that is cool. I wouldn't would not have necessarily uh, pinned that, but um, yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, cool. Let's see. Uh, now we do have a bunch of Twitter questions um, and uh, replies to the uh, the call. Um, you can uh, add your own questions at hashtag SGS Sensei, um, or you know. Uh, reply to the um, the tweet if you happen to see it uh, asking for questions. Um, so let's see here what we got. Um, let's see. You may have answered this as specifically as you wanted to, but um, I, I will I'll bring it up again. Laser Natu says, um, Greg, as an advisor for the live action, are there any aspects of the final show, major or minor? That specifically came from you. And tying somewhat into that, what are you personally most proud of concerning your involvement? Oh boy, that is this is one of those things that I really want to answer. I actually haven't been mm. told don't um, answer this question. It's a, a lot of <laughs> yeah, Oda stuff. It's yeah. been don't don't talk about you know Oda. Don't talk about this. Um, right. uh, but I guess. One, there are a lot. I mean, there, there's so many that like, man, I'm, I'm glad that made it in. Um, but the one that I'm just like, yes, like I'm so glad this turned out so well is um, mm. is probably Mr. Seven. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Utilizing uh, Mr. Seven there in that way um, was one mm. of the earliest, earliest um, notes um, that uh, I provided. And... Um, uh, I don't want to say, you know, what it what it was or, or how that was, but like I, I said, well, you know, this would be probably a, a really interesting way to, you know, expand on um, uh, what we know about the universe, and uh, why not introduce uh, Baroque works here? So I mean, mm -hmm. that was I mean, just to see that, you know, turn into what it did um, as just the the chef's kiss introduction to Zorro. Yeah, um, yeah, was was wonderful. that that is really I mean. If you if you let me wax poetic here, that that is kind of a masterstroke in terms of it is an event that we know happened. Well, I mean, maybe Zor didn't necessarily kill him, um, as far as we know, but um, you know, we we know canonically that yes, he was attempted to uh, they attempted to recruit him uh, before we saw Zoro, and he uh, he fought him off, and so that's how he knows what Baroque works is. So it is, you know, it is something you can use to introduce the character and have it be. Um, you know, chronologically, um, uh, you know, logical, and also, yes, it, it, it's a it's an introduction to where Zoro is before he knows Luffy, and also, it it sets up this thing that you can call back later, like, hey, remember that guy that Zoro fought? Well, you know, his group that he was talking about is going to be a big, you know, antagonist. It's going to be a big thing that we're going to have to deal with. So. I, I think that was a, that was a really good, a very uh, ingenious suggestion. Thank you, thank you. It's worth being proud of for sure. Hmm. I'm just glad people enjoyed it. Um. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, let's see. Victor Warmagard says, been rereading OP recently, and to my delight, when I opened up volume 65, I see Stephen's first credit. What's the process behind jumping into an already established translation? What are the pros and cons compared to starting from scratch? That is a really good question. I don't know if I've ever actually talked about that angle specifically. Um, yeah, boy, I'm trying to you know, put myself in the the mindset of of when I started working. <laughs> um, I know that um, <laughs> it was it was a whirlwind, honestly, um, because when I got the offer, when I got the notice, like, hey, we're you know we're gonna switch to this, you know, would you would you be willing to do this weekly? Um, there wasn't really that much time between. It was maybe maybe a few months before uh, between when I, I started working on it, and then I, and then like pretty much immediately, I was starting to work on that volume sixty five as a um, uh, as the fill, you know, as the catch up from where their um, their graphic novels were at the time, what they already had in production, and uh, what would be necessary to be able to go you know live with the latest chapter. Um, so I did a lot of that in the months uh, in between, um, but it was, I, I, I would be lying if I said we were like perfectly prepared for it because um, <laughs> I had, of course, the entire series in Japanese. I always, you know, I always buy the, the volumes as soon as they're out, um, but I did not have any English volumes at that point. Um, and I trying to remember if I borrowed my, my little sister back home had a complete, she had a complete set at the time at one point, which was, I think maybe up into Alabasta or wow. so. So she had about 20 volumes or so. Um, but there was a bunch that I did not have access to. And, um, I think Alexi sent me, um, uh, it would i guess it would be it would have been kind of a hassle to try to coordinate something with like their distributor to have have a, a whole set sent to me so i think what he did is he just grabbed every you know all the loose volumes that they had in the office um because you know they always get a, a couple samples and so they just have a little in office library of stuff so she's he just you know had a little grab bag and and sent them to me in a box um and i kind of had to track down the rest of them um and I didn't have, I didn't really have the time or the energy to, to do like a full, like study every last thing, you know, look up every last thing. So I know that there were some things that I was inconsistent on and, and he did have to send, set me straight on some things. Like, for example, I didn't initially know, and this was important because I was doing Fishman Island, that they spelled Fishman with a hyphen in between fish and man. Because I was used to just saying it as one word, Fishman. Mm, um, mm. And so he had to tell me that he had to point out uh, Jim Bay's uh, the the spelling in Viz was J I M B E I and not you know J I N B E the way that Oda usually spells it. Um, and so there were lots of things like that where I, I, I just, I'm sure he did that in a completely non sarcastic manner as well. Oh yeah, yeah. He I I, I literally <laughs> think he was like oh. Jin Bay, uh, you know, and spelled it out in like all capital letters. You funny fish man, you know, like uh, just very, um, very, very kindly and gently letting me down. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I got to love Alexi. Um, yeah, th there was a lot of stuff like that where I didn't necessarily know at first and I just kind of had to pick it up over time. 
Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I picked, picked things up through, and there are still things that are probably inconsistent or, you know, at some point it was just like, okay, well, I started doing something different and that's just the way that we do it now. Um, you know, it's, there, there's really no, there, there's no perfection, um, to be found in, in, um, you know, in, in English translation, because even if you want to go off of canonical terms, there's no perfection in, in Oda's world either, because he has spelled so many things in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that was something that I kind of had to learn to, 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 to let go or, or not, not to, to stress about too much. Um, as far as what are the pros and cons i would say i mean the pros are that there's lots of things that i don't necessarily have to decide for myself um you know or or to um to to redo if it's like okay well this is already our established way of doing this or that or spelling this name or referring to this power or whatever um so a lot of that stuff i didn't necessarily have to kind of consider of, of doing from scratch um, and of course the cons are, you know, well, if it happens to be something that I don't like or don't agree with, um, then, then I have a quandary of either I have to put up with it and just kind of grit my teeth and grumble under my breath, or I have to like, you know, I, I have to, to come out and say like, okay, I want to change this. Like, can we do that? Can, you know, can we do this? And, and is this feasible and, uh, maybe I'll get shot down or, uh, or maybe they'll be okay with it, but I have to find all the time you know they need to submit corrections on all these old volumes so i need to go find all the you know stuff like that um so it sometimes that can be a bit of a fight um but uh, yeah i don't know it was it was a very strange experience for me in particular as i i'm sure you could probably imagine just having having a certain you know headcanon about all of the presentation of the series and then kind of having to adjust to it um uh, to a new one but um you know, obviously that was, that was how it had to be if I wanted to, uh, to, to slip into this job. And, and so I was, um, I, I was more than willing to, uh, to deal with that, to, um, to get to do this. You know, what terrifies me is, What's that? is if, um, if die ever gets picked up, the adventures of die ever gets picked mm, up again mm -hmm. for translation. And if they do decide to return to me for a translation, I essentially mm -hmm. have to do that for myself. Um, because I've forgotten everything oh, no. about the world. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's a tough one too. Because in, in your case, that's you know that's based off of video games, and the video games have their own style guides, which also are not consistent necessarily from from yeah. title to title. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a process, like they say. It is, yeah. Um, let's see. Skills at 91 Ryan says, if you could craft a one piece fighting game like Dragon Ball Fighters, what characters would you have make the roster? I mean, wouldn't this just be if you make your own, um, what was it? Burning Blood? Burning, Burning Blood 2? Uh, what characters would you have make the roster? Well, well, I remember, um, I think Fighting for One Piece, that awful, that, awful, uh, yeah, like Nightmare Fuel Chopper game. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hmm. I, it's probably uh, everybody. Why wouldn't. not? Yeah, you know, everybody. Hey, it's it's easier to probably maybe casting. say who I wouldn't want. Um, all I know is that Gaimon would have to make the cut. Gaimon would have to be 
Like, uh, yeah, okay. If if my my real answer is if I was going to craft a One Piece fighting game, I would just pick all the reject characters. <laughs> like, we're putting Hamlet in there, Gaimon, uh, you know, Jacket Jacket, uh, Fruit, you know, just all the weirdos. None of the cool characters. That would be my version of of a One Piece fighting game. Oh man, uh, Jigoro. <laughs> the, 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 you, you the were zombie. Saw, yeah, the zombie, <laughs> the two, the two, two zombie or whatever, Fundoshi or okay. something. Yeah. Okay. Inupe, Inupe, Inupe. Yeah, just a bunch <laughs> of the Thriller Bark characters. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, B at Champagne Brokey. All right, we got a bunch of questions on on this one. Let's see. Maybe we could do them quickly. Uh, number one, what was the hardest change for you? Hmm. Uh, I don't for for the for the series for I guess for the live action, yeah, live action. Um, the the one that sticks out in my mind is is um the scene where Shanks um, tells Luffy to be a good pirate, um because mm. Luffy being a good pirate has nothing to do with with who Luffy is. It's a fact that nobody has told him to be good and that he simply is what we recognize as good that makes him um, admirable. Um, because as we know from Fishman Island, Luffy does not want to be good. Um, he doesn't see himself that way at, at all. And he in fact wants to steal and wants to do quote unquote piratey things that, that he thinks are piratey. Um, mm -hmm. But there is nothing, there's no factor about being good. Um, in in there so um that's that, I mean, that was the, a tough in change. the original in the original scene i guess referring to like he he tells luffy okay bring the hat back once you're a great pirate yes right like you know it is it's about greatness or or, or just you know growing up and and being a, a bigger figure than he is as a kid um <clears throat> but yeah that's a very different implication in, in fact i noticed that the japanese uh version of the netflix show kind of uh glosses over that as well um oh, they're like just they're like pretty e much quote the original e -e they're just like you know be oh. be a good kid <laughs> be not, a good not, <laughs> not be a good pirate yeah so yeah okay yeah, they make it a little bit more digestible otherwise fans yeah, might riot that's, that's an interesting way to look at it um all right was there any scene that oda insisted had to be included that made you go and the, the includes the uh the emoji with the monocle and a raised eyebrow in, uh, ah. in terms of theory crafting. Like, oh, interesting that you that you insisted on that scene. Uh, like that? Yes. Hmm. No further comment. It, okay, no yeah. no further comment. Okay, yes. all right. That's fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Cool. Maybe one day we'll-, we'll Maybe one out. day. Yeah. Um. All right, this, yeah, and this may be, let me know if this is, uh, if, if this is, getting a little too close to the sun too here with dragon far away how do you think he appears in the story is that is that a type of speculation about future material that you feel comfortable making um i i do know a little bit about dragon stuff and it's actually a a, a might bit more complicated than everybody thinks um and it, it's related mm -hmm. to something that i've specifically been asked not to talk about not not okay. don't talk about dragon but just like one of the aspects of production I've been asked not to talk about. So mm -hmm. um, I really cannot comment on that. I, I apologize. Okay. 
Um, all right, and then we will, let's see, skip that. Uh, he, had a, he had an offshoot of that. Um, let's see. Um, I'll throw in one more. How would you structure LBAF, unless you think we'll go elsewhere, and how do you think Oda will? Um, I'm not sure. This is from the same person, so I'm not sure if he's still talking about the live action or if he's just talking about in the manga. Maybe maybe let's just assume manga. it's the manga. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I see... I I used to see Elbaf as... Well, you know what? It, it still might be as an intended kind of cooldown arc. Um, mm. But I basically think it's the moon in Apollo 13. Um, I think that it's it's going to slingshot us into the mm. the final uh, arc it is a okay great opportunity to see the powers of, of blackbeard at work with those giant trees that would be excellent fodder um for his mm. for his pirates um to be able to see what they're capable of um although mm. we have gotten a great taste of it um in um in Hachino, full of lead mm -hmm. uh so yeah. so yeah i, I think that's a, that's a good um, spot for us to get slingshot into the into the final events more far more than than wano or um uh, egghead um, yeah, at this point i am still kind of torn on how oda might handle elbaf like i mean i love to have like a full-sized arc there um but it doesn't seem i mean especially if oda is you know, if he's really set on this is the final arc, you know, he's got to get everything set up for the big confrontation, the, the you know, set up all the dominoes and knock them all down. Um, it does seem like that should be Laugh Tale um, and not, you know, on Elbaf itself. But I do think that there's a lot we can learn there. Um, and I, and I kind of wonder too, I was thinking about this, um, like, as far as Oda being able to depict a, particularly a long arc uh, of humans and giants, because, I mean, we know he can do it because he did it in Little Garden, um, but that is a very different time in One Piece's production. Um, and, you know, like the way that he could show Dory and Brogy interacting with the Straw Hats is he had all of those, like, full-page drawings or at least like full verticality where he could draw dory and brogy you know in their their true majesty and then the the straw hats in um you know in scale and i don't know if he can do that same thing anymore mm. in, in, with the way that he panels the the series now yeah um i you know i and maybe this is me like in particular having a little bit of a of a reaction to um like at the end of wano when when luffy does the the finishing blow against kaido and i guess my my biggest issue with that besides the you know the oh well it's, it's just a big punch thing <laughs> is that I, I feel like the way that he drew it i didn't quite feel the scale in fact watching the anime um with uh, you know well he hasn't he hasn't finished it but in the the most recent episode as of as of the time that we're recording um you know luffy was was ballooning up his fists to do the final punch and um you know obviously with with a lot of animation and, and a lot of uh, different shots and and the ability to show scale like that they have a, a significant advantage over 
Oda just having the, the pen and paper. But I definitely remembered thinking like, oh, it didn't look that big. And then having to tell myself, no, no, it had to be really huge. It's just the way that, you know, he paneled it out. I, I didn't quite see it in the moment. Um, so I am a little worried about like, okay, well, can he really show us human-sized characters interacting with a lot of giants and having that be an ongoing thing being a little difficult so it seems like he used to do a lot of of fancy things with perspective and now it's it's almost just like he draws a person in the foreground and a giant in the background and like a a part of their body right right Um, right. and i i I do miss that um yeah i'm pretty sure that's probably just a timing thing but um yeah it's and and, you know it's it's a casualty of of the fact that he's he's trying you know he's working with fewer pages and he's taking these breaks so he wants to get through stuff at the same kind of pace of time of real world time and and so there's lots of concessions that he has to make to you know have that work um and and unfortunately some of those things are getting to do cool experiments like that um so I don't know. I really, I really don't know what to think about about Elbaf yet. Um, let's see here. Uh, continuing our questions, David William Wodek says, "I hope everything is going well with One Piece. Hopefully, its second week numbers are looking good." W- would you know? Um, well, I think if if Greg were to reveal uh, exclusive Netflix statistics on our our hmm. podcast, it might. <laughs> It would probably uh, get us in trouble. So um, I don't know. Luckily, that we can... I am one hundred percent ignorant to that world. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about the second week stuff. Obviously, I think the uh, the news on the first week numbers is uh, very good. Unqualified success yes. it, uh, across the board. Everybody. And got all their all that matters so. is Rotten Tomatoes, right? Our Lord and Savior. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, and and I, I'd say that like I'm, I'm deriding, but I mean, it's, we, we I, I do think we depend too much on it as a medium, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it yeah. looks too source now. So um, for what it is, I am extremely happy that we have the, the results there. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean they have, um, they, obviously they must make different differentiations between the, you know, the cumulative time that is watched and also the feedback of like, did people enjoy it? Did they like it? Because, you know, I feel like the the obvious point of comparison is Cowboy Bebop. And I think that that had a splash. Like, I, I, I feel like its first week, obviously nowhere near One Piece's, but it was not pro- promoted anywhere near as, as heavily. No. Um, and I, I feel like their initial numbers were not that bad. But the problem is if every other person is saying this sucks this is like i don't i don't even want to watch this um i think that that tells them a lot about the reception to it and i think they're too savvy to to just look at a number alone they want to also look at okay is this something that people are going to come back to and watch are they going to be looking forward to a second season and um, stuff like that is is definitely you know in in the positive for one piece's case yeah uh, let's see. Sunny at 25th Cloud says, and maybe you can confirm this f- for us. Was there a node, a, a nod to the Croco Mom joke in episode one? 
don't know if joke is the right word or oh, meme or um, theory. Yeah, yeah. Some people have been asking me um, this. Now, uh, <laughs> um, regarding that character specific, what they're talking about is there's a scene uh, where we right. see a, a female character uh, framed mm -hmm. um, and then the camera moves off to the left and we see shanks um yes, this is the uh the the execution of gold roger which i mean if you've seen the show you know that there's lots of easter eggs you get to see either close up or like on you know the back of several characters who are like oh i know who that is i know who that is i know who that is so um that's what we're referring to here and um uh i i made a joke back when i was doing the uh, the costumes like look this costume came from this color spread or this costume came from this color mm. i i did a uh, a cheeky joke where there was a woman running away from the uh, from the execution platform, and uh, I just posted a picture of crocodile with a question mark or something next to her. I, I don't know. I was, I was being memey, um, but uh, but that people really seemed to react to that. So I guess that got them primed um, for looking at this particular character. Now whether mm. they intend that to be a crocodile or not is completely up to the, 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 the writers and the production team. I do not know mm -hmm. about that. Actually, there are a lot of Easter eggs I don't know about. There, there are some Easter eggs that are straight out incorrect, um, unfortunately. <laughs> there's, there's like a broccoli island or something, and they freaking called it regular broccoli island, but it's not. It's actually broccoli island because mm -hmm. it's a joke in yes. Japanese and blah, blah. Right, right. Uh, I don't know. That, that, that was a, a huge mess, but... Um, uh, a, a lot of that stuff, stuff, the, in, in terms of that stuff being Easter eggs, um, is not included in the, in the scripts. Um, mm. so, or the drafts. Cause it's like, it's like set production. It's like set stuff, production basically. stuff. But yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so while I was able to see some of the Easter eggs later in the, the production process, I, I never saw them on paper or what was decided on set. Mm. So <clears throat> it is entirely possible, excuse me, that, um, that uh they they intend that to be um crocodile it, it is entirely possible um mm -hmm. i have no knowledge of it whether it is or is not however um personally uh and, and you know actually having said that having since it is kind of getting a following it's possible that that they might turn that it into something it. it might actually yeah. influence to turn it into something because it is um which would which would be funny um but uh, I do believe that the purpose of that was simply to pull the viewer's eye into the middle of the the, the scene so that they were focusing mm -hmm. on something and that when the camera uh, deliberately drifts um, to the side and we see the the Shanks character come into into uh, into scene, uh, I believe mm -hmm. that that was intended for regular viewers who have never seen the series that on their first view, um, they would not think anything of it. Uh, however, mm -hmm on a repeat view that is exactly the, the how the camera moves and how it focuses on her and then pulls you over um is is intended i believe is intended to to pull second time viewers having mm -hmm. seen the series for the the having experienced one piece for the first time through the live action to drawing their eye to shanks for an aha moment um mm -hmm. that's what i believe it was being used for um which is why it focuses on um, the character so specifically um but uh, I, I can't say for sure, for certain or not. Mm -hmm. 
So it, it, in other words, it could simply have been, well, we need someone to look distinct, uh, you know, for a close up that that for for that purpose so that we can set up this, um, you know, little subterfuge in the shot. Precisely. Um, and, and nothing necessarily more deep than that. Those are that's just my speculation mm -hmm. on it. That is not a, a confirmed. All right. Interesting. Um, Ewan at Ewan uh, underscore Y says, would love to know what your initial thoughts were when you first saw who they'd cast for the various roles. This was, <coughs> that's that's a well-phrased question because um, I have, uh, it was like, what did you think about this casting? Or, you know, did you cast this mm -hmm. person? Or did you like, uh, I had nothing to do with casting. Right. I had zip to do with it. Um, uh, I just saw some of the results. They asked, you know, a couple ideas and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, go. Uh, particularly um, uh, Shanks' character, Peter, um, because it was so weird because I just binged uh, Yellow Jackets. And um, he mm. plays a, a fairly major role in, in Yellow Jackets. And, mm -hmm. like, just as we were wrapping up the series, you know, I got a text and it's like, you know, what do you think about this guy for Shanks? And I was like, oh, I just saw him and he's super good. Like he would be a great <laughs> Shanks. Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's so weird. Um, but uh, let's see. My initial reaction was um, I, I, I won't go into specifics for this just because um, confidentiality mm -hmm. and whatnot. But like yeah. um, specifically for Inyaki, it was just like this, this was he, even just, just, you know, looking at, at, um, uh, you know, his previous works and kind of, you know, looking through, um, you know, his work with Netflix from the past. Um, I was just like, yeah, this is, this is absolutely. He just fell out of heaven he into is, your lap. Fell, yeah, <laughs> this is, he's, he's Luffy. He is Luffy, which is the constant thing that, that I've been saying is, mm -hmm. you know, he is Luffy. Um, and some of the others were a little bit more difficult. Um, I, I, in terms of acting and how they play off of each other, uh, perfect. Uh, image wise, um, and perhaps this comes from the whole, you know, Steve Buscemi thing, but I feel that Taz, who is an excellent Sanji, um, I think he is the Sanji, um, but I also think he's super built, like he has a massive upper body, and I just never <laughs> pictured Sanji that way. Uh -huh. um, I see. Uh, I think he's a great Sanji. There's no no slight on that. It's just, uh, I was... I see Sanji as, as like a, um, if, if, you know, you were to draw a figure, like people look like triangles, right? You draw people as triangles mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, he is the, the aesthetic, um, quote unquote, male triangle, right? With the, the, the large mm -hmm. upper body weight. Um, whereas Sanji feels more to me like, like almost a reverse triangle that is not a triangle so much as the Eiffel Tower. Um, that's the kind mm -hmm. of body type that I feel that, that, that he has, um, which is why it was surprising. It's not bad. Um, I'm not talking smack about anybody. Um, yeah. It's just like I was unprepared for that. Um, and and that's the sort of thing that I, I'm sure you know. If you asked the first time viewers, uh, you know, do you do you like Sanji? I, you know, I've 99 of them are going to tell you, oh yeah, he's perfect. He's great. He's so he's so hot. He's so cool. Um, so you know, that's that's uh, one of those those little things you got to get over, kind of as a. Uh, as a fan of the original work mission huh? accomplished yes yes he's he's perfect cool um let's see pow pow at pow huilatini uh says i have so many questions but i just want to say thank you to both of you because this community wouldn't be the same without your hard work oh thank you thank you 
Um, but also, who surprised you more out of the One Piece live action cast? For me, Goth Daddy was everything. <laughs> I'm guessing that's uh, Mihawk. 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 Surprised me. Hmm. Um, uh, I, I know who I know mine. Go for it. Okay. Oh, I was going to say, so I, I, I'm going to admit here that I still have not had the time to finish the season. Um, but I think this next week I, I should have a lighter schedule. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to finally getting through all the rest of the episodes. Um, but I will say, and I think I, I mentioned this on our first impressions last week that I fucking, I just, I love uh, Helmepo's actor. I think he is so funny and, and just like, like the physical proportions of, of, you know, like his face and, and the way that he transforms into Helmeppo once you give him like the, the wig and everything. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed him in the, uh, in the early episodes. Yeah. He's uh, he's, he's another one of those like manga come to life. Yeah. Um, but I think for me uh, was, yeah, probably, probably without question is, is Zoro. Um, Makenyu Zoro because mm. that was another one where I was just like I, I feel Zoro's a little bit more rough um, mm. and um, you know he's got like a little little stubble on him maybe um, he's like a little bit more of a, of a, of a tough looking guy not and people are going to misquote me on this Greg says Makenyu looks weak no I'm not saying that I'm saying like like um, Makenyu he is he is built he has a a, a strong upper body um, mm. he's not quote unquote ch- chiseled, um, like, like you'd see like a, um, like a Brad Pitt, uh, uh, from Fight Club era, you know, um, mm. or, or even better actually, um, Ed Norton from, from Fight Club era. <laughs> um, and not, that, not that he's that slim, but just, I like, that's the image I had of mm-hmm. 110% just pure muscle. Um, and, um. I so I kind of I wasn't sure of what to what I was going to experience when I first saw him, and when he first stands up in profile um, to talk to Mister Seven, like you see him in close-ups up to that point, and when he first stands up and you see him almost full body, I think I don't think his his feet are are in the shot, um, but you see him in in profile for the first time with the three swords, and my jaw hit the floor i was just it's it's zoro like the profile mm-hmm. was <laughs> it was manga that was moving um mm-hmm. it was it was incredible and i that just won me over um completely entirely uh in that moment uh so he was probably the biggest maybe uh yeah surprise for me um in terms of just like i wasn't sure what to expect and again just delivered above and beyond any expectations so mm. i think yeah his maybe it's in, in concert with the wardrobe and like the way that he, that he's dressed i feel like that that sort of um silhouette of like like sort of broad shoulders and and pecs and then like kind of a thinner waist it does fit very neatly into Oda's, you know, the way that he draws his more human characters. Um, and and that, that definitely struck me as well. Um, a couple more here. Uh, Michael Cunningham at Michael X Edge 
has a question in regards to future One Piece live action. What arc would you be most excited to see created for live action? What arc do you need to see put in live action? So so let's skip beyond a, a hypothetical second or third season or so. Like, let's talk, you know, far in the future. Now that we've seen, you know, one season of, of this and, and what this um, group of, of folks can do, uh, what would you be really excited to see in future One Piece material? For me, and um, even though Stephen prefaced that really well, um, just to put this mm -hmm. under the cloak of speculation, entirely speculation, mm -hmm. um, uh, I strongly believe that um, if we are able to work our way through, say, um, Drum and Alabasta, um, however, however those get they get divvied up, um, I think that if you work your way through Drum, there is no way that you can't do Alabasta by that point um to completion mm -hmm. um so i think that all of those you know if if success if things work out then then those would be set and established however i would love to see skypia simply mm -hmm. for the experience of it because how skypia is is presented and how it's received by the fan base um, I think would then make or break the series um, mm. all the way through to say Marineford. Um, mm. If you can, if you can pull off Skypia and keep maintain the the attention of the of the the viewer, um, then I think you you would be able to increase the longevity of the show. And this is not from anybody. This is not nobody has told me this or no, we haven't discussed right. this, but. Um, I, the reason I believe this so strongly is because Skypea is a divisive arc for fans, and it is it was the mm -hmm. first big drop off for One Piece, um, mainly because of its its length, and mm -hmm. and uh, also because people couldn't see big picture. They didn't you know right, accept right. that this is going to actually be super duper important in the future um, mm -hmm. of the the larger story of the the series. But um, that. That, that's why for me more, more as a not like i gotta see this character i gotta see this fight but just in terms of of what would be possible for the series um i would love to see how they handle skypea mm, that's a really good yeah that's an interesting answer too because i i would say and this is me also just speaking completely speculative speculatively i would have no reason to to know you know what what sort of conversations happened about this sort of thing but it does strike me as the kind of arc where if you were to look at and you were to say okay well if we're looking at very finite you know we have a finite amount of time to, to work with these these actors we have a finite amount of time we can't we're not going to spend 15 years um, or 15 seasons uh, working on this this story we have to tell it in a certain number of seasons that's the sort of thing that I, I think that you know if you're looking really hard at what is absolutely necessary and what isn't you know I, I'm like I, I would have to place it on the outside of that line um, just because of you know the the the, con the connections even to this point are still so tenuous um, and if you're trying to be really direct from season to season in terms of what you've already filmed, yeah. you know, it, it's just a really tough thing yeah. to, to put together. <laughs> oh man. It's, um, it, it asks a lot of, it, it demands, it demands, um, the trust 
of the the viewer the reader um that they enjoy the characters and invested in the characters so that they enjoy the journey at that point not so much um the story um right enjoy spending time with those characters now i do believe it would be truncated um and that's where things start to get a little bit more difficult um you know when we when we do truncate you know some of these larger arcs um what do how how will we construct that so that it it still pleases fans and i think you get a little taste of that in season one with how they handled syrup village um so you know how did you feel about syrup village did you feel feel that that was was dealt with um respectively and did you still you know feel the, the same kind of um uh danger and emotion but but there is a there is an awful lot missing from it um but again it's what it needed to be um and i think the in terms of our our cast of heroes that that we have um i think it worked well with them to their advantage to their story um and next question now we may have already kind of covered this but let's see raftel rick says what was your least favorite change from the manga and anime you did mention the um the line from shanks so i don't know unless you have a uh different thing to uh to bring up that's i i probably do but i also don't want to talk too derisively about the series <laughs> yeah, at this point when yeah, it just came out yeah. so um but that's, that's that that for me is is probably the big one the, the being a good pirate all right um if i can speak over the screaming children outside uh let's see michael at peak m 85 underscore peak says it's a non one piece question but i've been wondering has greg ever met Toriyama. Ooh. Um that hurts. Um <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling. Not, not, yeah. not your fault, but um it was supposed to happen uh twice. Oh no. Yeah, twice. And um the the first time uh it was kind of a, a promise over um over a dinner. And um uh you know it was kind of kind of a lighthearted thing, but like uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll see if I can mm-hmm. do this for you, arrange this for you. And um then later uh, at another dinner, a couple of years later, I was like, "Hey, so you remember that thing you mentioned?" And he was just like, <laughs> "Oh, did I?" And I was, like, "Yeah, you, you totally did." And he was just like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And there was another person there too, so like he mm-hmm. he felt super awkward. Um, and then he was like, "You know what?" He's like, uh, "Yes," and he was like, "I I know where and when it will be. We'll we'll get this. Um, it's gonna happen." Enter COVID nineteen. Mm, I had a feeling that's where the story was going. Yeah. So, um, uh, mm-hmm. I do need to revisit that person now that's been a couple of years again, <laughs> uh, and, and ask them again. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I, I do need to be careful about how much I, I, I bug them. So, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I had a feeling that, um, you know, if that, if such a meeting had ever happened, uh, we would know about it by now. Uh, so <laughs> that's where, that's where I, I had a feeling I knew where that was going. Um, let's see, Chris at Bonobo Chris, uh, does Greg know, and is he allowed to share if Oda enjoys the first season? Also, what's your favorite changes? For me, it's Zoro being first mate in his flashback, since Koshiro actually asked why he wants Wado Ichimonji instead of just giving it away like it's nothing. Interesting. Um, as, as far as Oda, (laughs) you know, it's, it's Oda's reactions, Oda's this and that, are one of the things they... specifically asked me to be careful about um Mm -hmm. but um i'm not gonna say you know like i wonder how how oda felt um 
he is absolutely proud of the project and and how it turned out and mm-hmm. um i think if you're looking you know to gauge how he feels and if you know um uh, there's any uncertainty or, or or whatnot, or if he feels you know like ah, we would wish we could have done this. Uh, do read his comments. Um, his comments, yeah. a lot of which, actually, yeah, I forgot to mention this. A lot of the the Oda comments that came out over the years, the letters and things to to the fans, um, I translated a lot of them, um, mm. or or managed the translation of them, and um, uh, those are honestly how he feels um, about the series. So like. Uh, he he had the one with um, with Jimbei in it, right? Like, um, uh, don't don't count what you've lost, you know, count what you have, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not quoting uh, verbatim there, but yeah, um, though that is that is a concern, you know, that that he has, and he's being honest about that. Is like, you know, I am, I I do wonder if if people will be worried about this, but you know what? Um, think about what you have and and not what you've you, you've lost, um, in terms of characters, and obviously you know Django mm-hmm. and and Gaimon and things like that but um uh those letters are a, a door to how he truly feels um there is very there, there is no um glossing over or um business lingo in there um that is that is honest those are honest yeah i, I mean that and that that all seems to line up with my my expectations certainly i mean you you're you're closer to the man than i am um by a long shot and and so i i certainly uh trust trust your word on that yeah um let's see in, in favorite changes um well you did mention the um well i guess you mentioned the 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 mr 7 fight in terms of you know your your suggestion um would you still say or or, or is there anything else outside of that that um that you thought was was particularly neat. Um, let's see. I thought that you know if we can't do um, the black cat pirates um, with a pirate ship, um, mm. then I thought the idea of putting them in the house uh, was was clever. Um, I thought that was mm. a good idea and, and an excellent use of the the characters. Um, I don't think mm. there was anything that was that was betrayed there necessarily at, at, at all, even though it is a big change. Um, uh, I I feel that, that that's another way that you know the writers are able to show their their love for the series and in, in using uh, established characters in an appropriate and acceptable uh, way. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought that that was interesting. If for nothing else, then interesting as a an alternative setting so that it's not you know like you said it, if it's not all going to be here we're fighting on this ship and then this time we're fighting on this ship and then this time we're fighting on this ship um i, I think it, it it's a nice change of pace from from some of the other um so they, they each have a very distinct look which um i mean which frankly uh, we're talking about east blue that that might be one of the areas that i think is kind of the the weakest as far in the manga as far as like really crafting a unique look and sense of place for each different setting of each arc. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of similar landscapes and, and background um, styles and stuff like that. Um, and he didn't really get to, to develop those, those very rich locations until later arcs. Yeah, I think the um, first so. even hint of that is really Baratie. 
I mean, that's the yeah, first like, yeah. wow, location. And the other is like, mm-hmm. here's a town, here's a, another town, and here's a village. Um, Arlong right, Park right. Is, is probably the second, but even Arlong Park is surrounded by, you know, Kokuyashi, which is just kind of like mm-hmm. village. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really not until the Grand Line that you get that like sense of every every new place is a new attraction in this this crazy yeah. theme park. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree. I think that was a that was an interesting touch. Um, let's see. I think I think that may be it as far as our questions. And you know, we we've been going on a fair fair amount of time. There's other stuff on this episode as uh, people will know by now i'm sure um obviously there is so much that could be said about the 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 live action and um i'm sure people will will come up with other questions to to ask over the the weeks and months ahead please do um and uh Yeah. yeah we're we're definitely um eager to to hear those questions i'd love to hear what greg has to say about some other aspects of the uh of the series that he is able to talk about um but uh, I think this was a very satisfying. I, it, was, it was good to catch up on the fan questions this time. It was it was um, actually it was a lot of fun to to field them, and terrifying mm-hmm. at the same time. <laughs> all right, we made we made it together. We we're we're all alive. Uh, okay, well, um, until the next time, then, Greg. Um, it's been good talking to you. You as well. And, and uh, once again, Simba. congratulations hey. on that uh, first season. Thank you very much. In the books. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I hope Simba's doing well too. Yeah, he's um He's a trooper. His ear his ears are perked up from all the uh, screaming children outside, but uh he's he's doing all right. Uh, what, what what's happening in, in uh what's I don't on? know. I think it's just the kids downstairs are, oh, okay. are playing in the backyard. Oh, all right. Um but uh yeah. N- nothing out of the ordinary. I was like, is, <laughs> Anyways. is Big Mom hungry or something? Or like, <laughs> oh, I hope not. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, l- let's move on to the next segment. All right. This has been the One Piece Podcast, episode 786 for September 11th. Thank you all for coming on the show this week. Uh, wow, what a packed episode that I totally have heard all of as I sit here right now. Uh, but seriously, huge thanks to Greg, Daniel Bo, um, and Stephen Paul, the translator for One Piece and Weekly Shonen Jump and Manga Plus. Um, How's it going, awesome. Stephen? Sorry, I forgot that part. But he's not here. <laughs> it's my favorite part. Uh, it's a rhetorical, how's it going? It's, I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't do, no, I do want to know how it's going for him. Um, or just in general. Anyway, thank you all so much for, for all of your hard work putting those uh, segments together. And thank you all for listening. Uh, this week, we have a special episode, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, all about the One Piece live action. We have a segment with Vero and Steve going through, I believe it's going to be the first arc, which I think are two episodes. Um, one in episode one and two. Um, and then we're having, a, I think, almost 90-minute interview with... The uh, with the musicians behind the One Piece live action series, Sonia Belosova and Giona Ostinelli. Uh, make sure to listen to that; it's awesome. Um, and I hope it's, I hope the writers' strike and uh, Screen Actors Guild uh, strike uh, ends with them being extremely victorious soon. 
Uh, so we could have more interviews like that because I know how passionate uh, the writers and the actors are about the series. Um, and I would like them to be fairly compensated and fairly uh, treated and not replaced by an artificial intelligence um, and the many other uh, just completely normal demands. Anyway, I'm not going to get off in a rant, um, but I hope that we could talk to them soon. Um, but until we get into all that fun stuff, Marianne, where could people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and blue 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 sky i I just got it blueski yeah well i don't know how you say it that's like a that's like a pennsylvanian (laughs) uh their their name is brodsky but oh (laughs) it's it's pronounced brodsky (laughs) i'm on top of that not really um no but uh you can find me on all of those uh though blue sky i need to actually make my account more than just making it physically anyway uh, you can find me all those is uh marianne d hobbit uh yep i post lord of the rings memes and sometimes voice actor stuff and one piece things as well because i'm a giant nerd surprise welcome very i'll pretend to be giant. oh in the yeah, let me try and <laughs> let me try and become a giant nerd just for this segment so i fit in um the joke is i am uh brodsky where could people find you uh you can still find me on twitter at uh the word double underscore the number zero underscore snake don't stop shaking my head the seo is fire (laughs) (laughs) you can also find me on instagram and blue sky under all one word oive brodsky (laughs) i love that one i love it Um, i'm hanging on to my my double i know you are i know i know but Come on. You could, like, I would buy merchandise with that, even though it wouldn't make any sense. Like, why are you wearing something that says, Oy vey, Brodsky? Who is Brodsky? I'd be like, I don't care. Don't worry about um, it. Yeah, don't worry about it. You Wait, why are you asking me about cool my shirt? Brodsky. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Sky was actually made for, for me. Yeah, <laughs> we both... In, we both... Bisky. Yeah. <laughs> Brodsky, Blueski. Yeah. Brodsky at Blueski. Um, Josh... Where could people find you and uh, your Zorro um, stuff? Mm. Uh, well, you can find me online uh, at all of the regular places, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and Blue Sky, in fact. Um, uh, user Amans, A-M-O-N-N-S. Thank you, Josh. Listen, Any listen other... here, you and Mer- you, you like the, all you guys in your universal <laughs> usernames. Oh, uh, brand continuity? Uh, yeah, come on. I've never heard of it. <laughs> I, I, th- I thought about doing something more professional for Blue Sky, and then I went, lol, no. <laughs> no. I enjoy all of the content you post. <laughs> <clears throat> I think we all enjoy Lord of the Rings. Anyway, um, you could follow me at, I don't post there very much anymore, but Twitter, Zach underscore Logan. I'm Blue Sky. If you have an invitation, if you need one, I've been. You could become a patron. I've been giving them to our patrons because I just am getting invitations. uh, And everyone I know has them already. Um, But I'm Zach.OnePiecePodcast.com there. There is no brand continuity there. I apologize. Um, You could also... I'm sorry, Josh. He was shaking his head at me. I don't appreciate that. Uh, You could follow us at OnePiecePodcast.com. The website is new and improved. I work on it too much on all the little details when I'm bored. So it will constantly be updated with new stuff. Uh, on Instagram.com slash One Piece Podcast, uh, Twitter.com, 
Blue Sky, we are our onepiecepodcast.com. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, we are on anywhere you get your podcast. And most importantly, patreon.com slash onepiecepodcast, uh, where we have alternate images and alternate titles. Brodsky, did you have any alternate images for this week or was this one in the can? Uh, this one kind of was in the can, I think. They got, they got uh, the it in th- one, though. Yeah, but I did have fair. another idea, but that was for a later uh, okay. different segment. Oh, for the, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later, later then. Check that out. Subscribe to us. It's five bucks a month. It's not that bad. Um, and you could also call us at our phone number, which is 347-497-MAJI. That phone number, again, 347-497-6254. Call anytime with your questions, comments, theories, or how to get yourself a bedazzled Jinbei. Um, <clears throat> I know I'm looking for it, <laughs> and I'm assuming Josh is looking for it because of how oh, impressed yeah. you were. Oh, yeah. I, I want all of them covered in rhinestones. I want a whole set. You know what? Yes. I'll make you one personally. <laughs> or what is it that you usually say, jo- Josh? I love that for you. Um, I love that for definitely. me. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's great. <laughs> I don't even mean that sarcastically. Um, anyway, next week, Anthony Bowling, Emily Ferrado, the ADR directors for One Piece. It's going to be a lot of fun. And a new chapter. Uh, believe it or not, we've only had like 20 chapters this year, I realized. Um, oh, my God, really? Yeah, Oda's just slacking, not doing anything else. He's oh, like he's, sitting at the beach. Oh, he's resting his body from the years. Of- he's, he's got Jimbei's. He's got Jimbei's hoodie, uh, Jimmy Buffett thing going, and he's just not doing anything. Um, anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. My name is Zach. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.